So. Okay, now, so the next, the obvious question to ask now is, is this a one-man band performance? <laughs> it is. <laughs> so it couldn't be anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> Your music makes sense to nobody but just... <laughs> <laughs> You're just like your old man. <laughs> <laughs> Release it! (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast. Your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain, why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? It's just like a story chance of ideas. Either version, I love both versions. Hello, 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 and welcome back. This is Peach and Black, the Peach and Black podcast, all the way from Australia, the land down under. We present to you our album review of Graffiti Bridge. Yeah! Join me, joining me we on the show. It. We found it. Everyone wants to find it. We found it. <laughs> as, you can, as you can hear, everyone's incredibly excited to talk about this album, and we're about to find out why. Let me introduce the panel. It's Player. I gladly pee in anybody's cup. Toe Jam. <laughs> Rewriting the Kama Sutra in half as many words. <laughs> and Captain. It's killing time, Mois. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is the show that uh, goes into critical assessment and discussion and all things. Related is that to what we do? Music. I think that's what we do occasionally. And today we're going to do something. To, no, we'll do the same thing. We'll talk about an album. We haven't done an album in a little while. It's a soundtrack. It is a soundtrack to a film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is it exactly, that thing? It's a, it's it's, a soundtrack. It's a, very, it's, it's a very long music video. That's what it it's is. A, <laughs> Extended video. It's a soundtrack to a motion picture film by Prince coming to you this summer. Uh, graffiti <laughs> Bridge. The weird thing is this is the fourth motion picture soundtrack that he'd done. You had Purple Rain, Under the Cherry Moon, and just Batman the year before. This is fifth, if you want to count Sign of the Times as a motion picture. Hmm. It's the fifth soundtrack that he's done. <laughs> All before he was 32. Incredible. That's right. So, yeah, 1990 this is. A film comes out, the, the, the soundtrack comes out. There's a tour, the nude tour of 1990 in the hearts of fans all around the world uh, and plenty of memories. And we're going to go into the album, really. We're not going to spend, at least <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, we're not spending too much time on the motion picture event or on the nude tour. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. Those to that. references <laughs> may crop up occasionally. If we've, you look said, around the room. we've said this a lot, but that's a whole nother show. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> well, you know what? This is a double album. It was his first double album since Sign of the Times. Hmm. There's food for thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's get into all things Graffiti Bridge and all things the songs on Graffiti Bridge. Before we go into the track by track analysis, discussion, uh, hullabaloo, whatever you want to call this show, any kind of um, general statements, uh, concerns, 
likes, dislikes at all about the album, the era? Correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time he's had other artists have you know a complete song on his album. Yeah. Because there was the I'll time, there was there was the time tracks in Purple Rain, but they weren't on the album. I'll give you that. What's funny is, um, you know, Prince fans are always like, "Oh, we wish all those other songs were on the Purple Rain soundtrack." And this one, it's like, "I wish all those associated artist ones weren't on the album." <laughs> 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 That's a generalization. No, I've heard but it, it's yeah, pretty much people true. Said that. <laughs> it's the first album of the nineties. We should say that. Um, yeah. And. It's kind of a transition album, isn't it? From that sort of love, sexy Batman sound into the sort of Diamonds and Pearls sound. But then it's also, it definitely harks back to Purple Rain a bit. Like, even sonically it does as well. There's clear links there. But. Yeah, I think so. And you, you raise a point that I'll, I'll make throughout my, my song reviews, but it is about the sound of the album. I don't, I actually, not sure I agree with you, Tejum, about the Diamonds and Pearls and Onwards c- comparison, because I think that Diamonds and Pearls was really the first proper 90s album, even though. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. First official one. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> 17 tongues, I mean, 17 tracks. Tons? 70 minutes long. It's a long album. It's a long album, and it could have been shorter, and it could have been better, but we'll get into that. I've got some recollections. Okay. There was a, a contest with this album release where Prince put five gold leaves into each album, and it was like a Willy Wonka competition. If you found a gold leaf, you got to go to Paisley Park. And what I did when I was a kid, like, they used to put, they used to gut the CDs, so they used to take the CDs out and leave the covers in the racks. So yeah. I would go through all the CD booklets trying to look for the gold leaf in the hope that someone would take, you know, the people in the shop would take the CD out and not realize that there's a gold leaf in there. So I used to go and find these gold, like, try and find the gold leaf. I never found one. But I was always wondered if, like, if someone came across a copy of Graffiti Bridge now and found a gold leaf, with a, they'd still honor that trip to Paisley Park. I want to know. <laughs> Oh wow! But it was an interesting contest. I didn't know. I didn't hear of anybody winning it, and I've never heard of it being documented since. So, well, that just sounds dodgy to me. Maybe some super Peach and Black fan out there knows this. How many times in the last five years have we, in some way, referenced Prince and Willy Wonka? There's been a lot. (laughs) There's been a lot. I can think of at least like four. Uh, So yeah, look, Prince's twelfth album. Uh, a very interesting point in his career post Batman and, um, you know, starting off, off with a new band, although they're not really featured on this album, uh, at least not properly. And no real tour to support the album. You know, the, the, the new tour was a greatest hits show. This album came out, you know, in the last few weeks of the new tour. Yeah. He started throwing in one or two tracks, but he, re- he didn't tour this album at all, really. And, and funnily enough, and we'll get into this later, but the, uh, the majority of this material, or at least the, the songs that are the Prince songs, let's call them, you know, the songs that where, where he's the only person performing them or, um, or, or credited or, to him. Yeah, or credited to him. They're older songs. They go back way oh, yeah. to the early 80s a lot of the times, early to mid 80s uh, in a lot of instances. So that's an interesting one. And, and maybe that's why he didn't play much of the material on, on the nude tour. Who knows? But uh, we'll get to that. Uh, further to your point, MC, about the um, older songs, I remember reading something in Wendy and Lisa. They picked up the Graffiti Bridge album in the shop and they turned it over and they read the track listing and they put it back on the shelf because they knew all the songs. <laughs> That's great. I, don't, I never heard that before. Yeah, like they were, I don't know, I don't know if they were looking to buy it, but they, they said that they weren't surprised or something because they worked on some of those original songs. See, I heard a different story. I, I heard they turned the album around and they saw it was a rap by T.C. Ellis and they just put it back on the shelf. <laughs> I don't know which one is true. 
Um, <laughs> Prince dumped us for for TC Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> this album's whack. <laughs> This this album was released on the 20th of August 1990 in the UK. 21st, a day later in the USA. So we missed the anniversary. Yeah, we're late. We're a couple of weeks late. That's okay. We've been busy. <laughs> we have been busy. We've been busy out looking for them golden leaves. Yeah, we have. <laughs> so with that exuberant intro, I, I say let's get into the songs. I got I got just a tiny wee bit to say about the, about the music contained within this album, and I'm sure you guys do too. Track number one is a song called Can't Stop This Feeling I Got. And if you guys don't mind, uh, I'll open my thoughts on this. Open your thoughts. Open my thoughts. Open open your minds. I love this song. Incredibly. It's the... uh, Play in the Sunshine Part 2 to me, or, or vice versa. I, I see those songs going hand in hand, just as a bit of a comparison. But I love it. It's life-affirming. It's really brightly coloured. A rocking song, a rocking country-tinged opener with Prince pretty much doing all the work, I, I believe, and doing a great job at it. You know, really cool guitar licks and nice bass lines, good contrast of, of programmed drums with, with some other drums underneath. And just a really kind of upbeat, up-tempo number that, that I love. And I love what he's saying in there too. There's some really good lines. You guys might get to them later. But I think this is a, a classic opening to, I won't spoil the, <laughs> my review, but to a um, fairly underrated album. So, yeah, that's my opener. Uh, let's take it to someone else. Uh, Captain. The opening track for this album was dragged out of the vault. It was originally from, I think, 1981, 82. It's crazy to think that he was recording something like this around Controversy 99. That's just bizarre to me. It sounds, it just doesn't work in my brain. But he re-recorded in, I think, 86, and then it finally got in here in 89. I'm not sure how different it was back when it was originally recorded, but it sounds like a new song to me, because it was a new song to us when we got the album. And this is One Man Band, and the first of many One Man Band tracks on this album. Like MC, I really like this song. It's a big, happy song, and that's a feeling I want to get from listening to a song. you got the, the hand claps coming in here and there, and it's just a big sing-along, great track. Uh, the only thing I don't like is the fade-out, because that's just when the guitar solo starts going absolutely mental and shredding like crazy, and then it fades out. Are you freaking kidding me? I want at least another two or three minutes of this track. Extended version from the vault, please, Mr. Prince. I want that. I will pay cash money. <laughs> cash money. But that guitar, oh, there's there's some serious guitar all over this album, and it it starts in this song. 252, he says the line, pardon me for living, but this is my world, which is the same lyrics as in the next song. That's interesting, and that's all i got to say. This is a good song, I like it, and it's good. Fantastic, I agree, agree, and agree once again. Uh, player. Um, yeah, I think that's a nice opening track. I've got similar notes to you guys. Um, I also pick up on the nice country guitar in it. Like you said, MC. I don't draw the comparison really to playing the sunshine, but I think it still has. A, it's it's kind of like an extension of the love sexy concept, like being sort of invigorated spiritually 
and he can't stop the feeling he's got and all this sort of stuff. So it's kind of a bit, you know, an extension of that. But however, like with this album, I kind of draw a lot of comparisons to Purple Rain, seeing that Graffiti Bridge is a semi-sequel to Purple Rain. And if you look at it that way, I kind of like look at this as the watered-down version of Let's Go Crazy in a, in a way. Mm. So I think it, it is a good opener, but if you compare it to a song like Let's Go Crazy, it's, it doesn't really have the same sort of pop in it. I mean, it is a good song. I just don't we think can't it's go, kind of... We can't go through this review comparing every song to Purple Rain. Though. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that, but... Because <laughs> um, that's, 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 that's not fair at all. <laughs> no, it's not fair. And but I, I, I think... I think it stands alone, though. Like, can't stop this feeling I got. It's a different... It's a different... Just because it's energetic and... I mean, I see the comparison, but... Mm, it, it is a nice track, but it's... I don't know. It's... I, I can't put my finger on it. But it's yeah, fantastic. Like it. Is that what you're trying to say? It's, it is. It's, it is. <laughs> Power fantastic. <laughs> it's great very good I didn't mean to talk you into that <laughs> <laughs> thanks for anyone listening at the end of the podcast we'll include a player's half an hour negative dissection of <laughs> we can't stop this feeling I got yeah please we can't then. stop this feeling I got how many drinks have I had <laughs> you know what sorry listeners this song is one of those songs that has only been played live once ever really Almost 20 years ago to the week, uh, 20, I think it was 26th of August, Terminal 2, Munich, Germany. Wow, I've never heard that. Yeah, this song is one of those. I don't think he played the full song. It's like I think he sang a verse or two in another song, but he's but he never done that. <laughs> <laughs> he did stop. I would love to hear this live. This is a song. We keep saying this now, but the new band, play this song. Nah, I don't think so. They're like heavy. Forget They're it. like heavy. He needs, like, um, Willie Nelson have, to come have, join have him. Have you listened to this song? <laughs> <Willie> Nelson. <laughs> yeah, he can do the acoustic guitar parts. Have you listened to this song? This yeah. is a heavy song. No. Nirvana's not even heavy, and this is, like, I mean heavy. What are you talking about heavy? Didn't you hear, like, the last 30 seconds of this song? Have you heard some Nine Inch Nails recently? <laughs> oh, that's nothing. This ain't, this ain't heavy. This is Prince with a bloody ball of tweed in his mouth. This is Prince doing heavy. It's as heavy as it gets. Well, maybe. Uh, Toe Jam. I like the song. I think it's one of my favorites on the album. I have exactly what Player said. It's, it's, it's Let's Go Crazy. Um, not a complete riff-off, but it's the, same, it's the same sort of thing, that upbeat uh, electric guitars, the sort of live sort of feel to it, and it plays the same role in the movie. And also, you've, in those sort of slower breakdown sections, the, the guitar parts sounds exactly like Purple Rain, like the same sort of arpeggio chord thing going on. Do 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 do. It's just the same sort of pattern as Purple Rain, which is interesting. Um, I love the big drum fills, the big snare drum, just these sound like machine gun fills into the, each section. It's really cool. It's got this ascending, descending sort of bass line that goes all the way through. Yeah, I like it. It's it's up. Everyone sort of said the same thing. It's upbeat, but I think the difference. It's it's kind of a little bit sterile, like compared to Let's Go Crazy. Like you know, Let's Go Crazy has that warehouse feel to it this you know you can tell this is done in like a more professional studio with heaps more overdubs heaps more production and so it's it's a weird one because it's it is there's heaps going on and this and some of the stuff's really cool but it's kind of a bit sterile compared to you know the energy in purple rain exactly exactly the way i feel about it i do love the the bit at 133 the peak of the song is is like a minute 33 when when that big synth and he's singing that woo over the top of it that's really cool and you've got those cool synths underneath going yeah, and then it sort of goes in this, you know, playing the sunshine sort of more heavily arranged bit, which is good. It's like sort of showing off his arranging abilities, but it's kind of weird in the song, I find. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a good song overall. I, I quite like it. 
and we'll move on. You know what? To me, this is the first really digital... <laughs> I was going to say, we always do this. We always spend ages on the first song and then summarize the whole album on the first song. No, no, no. no it goes with what you were just saying before. This was like the first real digital album for me. I mean, some of the times Love Sexy, you know, those albums, they sound crap, really. Batman sort of sounded better. You mean sonically sounding? Yeah. But that's not even the case. This is, this but is this re- album sounds, it's, it's pristine, so it sounds... You know, it sounds like he's done overdubs and he's done everything because he can and he did. Yeah, okay. See, I thought you were talking about the, the sound, the quality of the sound or the kind of the, 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 the tone of the album because it's, it's recorded and processed in analog and I, I think it was only mixed digitally. But you can, you can definitely tell the difference. Were you listening to the vinyl, Captain? Because I was. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, you wouldn't have heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know... Even in the in the movie, there's a scene in the movie where he's recording something and he's got like a some sort of Apple Mac computer thing. On his Mac. And he's got all the sampler things. And it's like an eighties Mac too, like little, <laughs> yeah. little But I think that, that's kind of telling and that like, you know, the recording process was changing and it was becoming more digital. Yeah. All right, all right. Even if it was ultimately recorded on analog tape, you know, there's digital the equipment. Process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's starting to creep in. Do you know what? I think this album sounds better than Diamonds and Pearls. Yeah. It's cleaner. It is cleaner, yeah. Yeah, and it's a bit rawer in places, including this first song. I mean, this is a... Maybe uh, maybe my, my review wasn't as, as um, ecstatic as it should have been. This is To me, this is a blinding opener. High energy, great sound, as you're saying. Like, the sound is like... It just... The sound is... I wouldn't say... I wouldn't call it gritty, but it's got a bit of bite to it. Even though you're saying it's digital and all that kind of stuff, but... This is definitely, I think, the best sounding album up to this point. Hmm. Yeah, but that's going to happen with technology. Interesting. But, it's, but it sounds like Diamonds and Pearls is not as clean. I don't know how. It's probably more glossy, but it's, it's not. Yeah. It's glossed over. The final mix is a bit funny, isn't it? More, more hmm. polished, maybe. All right. Track number two. This was very early days to be throwing out words like NPG and new power generation. So this is a pretty big moment in the Prince discography just because of the title of this next song it's new power generation second track on the album and again very similar in theme and sound to song number one i aside from the 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 first little bit where i don't know who it is but someone is it tc (laughs) saying something like yeah, we're back and we're bringing the big noise for the 90s or something. Pumping the big noise in the night. There you go. I wish that wasn't on this track because that's about the only minor blenish that spoils this. Uh, other than that, this is a cool kind of funky declaration of intent to me. I take this and the first one as, as a big opening to what I think is a, is a big album. And uh, with that, we go to Toe Jam. Um, yeah, it's... I agree. It's the same sort of sentiment, same sort of idea as the last one. You know, it's all about the positivity and we're going to bring it with with a young crew who are going to take over the world and all this sort of thing. No more of this old-fashioned music. Very similar to DMSR where it's like, um, you know, making love and music the only thing we're fighting for, that sort of theme. Rosie Gaines, first first track with Rosie Grains. Correct me if I'm wrong. Rosie awesome. Grains? Grains. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie Grains. Rosie Groans. <laughs> yeah. No, I heard it today. I'm like, oh, there's some Rosie Gaines. I'm like, that'd have to be the first song with her in it. Yeah, I can hear it. So there you it. go. I, I like the composition. I like the sounds. I'm not a big fan of this bass sound that's used on this album. This sort of... 
bass sound. It's on this and it's on I've a, got maybe. The power. <laughs> yeah, it's on Weekend Funk and it's on a few others as well. I'm not a big fan of that bass sound. It, it's just not happening for me. The bridge uh, is very cartoony with the the sword swings. You know, and then you've got these angels singing and <laughs> Zorro. That's, yeah, that's a cool section actually. Just what's happening musically again? He's like having this little crazy genius brain moment again in the middle of a song. Yeah, but I haven't got much to say about it. It's 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 good. I don't really listen to it that much, but I know someone on this panel loves this song, and I think it'd be better if I save it for that person. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm just gonna go to player because I have a feeling it might not be him. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a, it's a cool track. Nice up-tempo. Like you said, like the first song with Urban Stylings. I think the most interesting thing about this track is the lyrics and hitting back at critics. And I know he was getting a lot of, like on the back of the Black album, like people trying to, you know, say to him, like he should go back to an older sound. And this is kind of like addressing that, saying, you know, the new power generation is like a movement and we don't listen to anybody else. We do our own sort of thing and... It's kind of interesting when you listen to the lyrics. And uh, like what Tojem said about the bridge, the turnaround, the, the bridge, the turnaround part, it's a bit carnival-like. It sounds similar to the fade-out on You Got the Look. But uh, yeah, apart from that, it's it's a cool song. I mean, there's a lot going on in it, but then again, it's just sort of like a pretty straightforward dance beat party track. But yeah, it's, it's, a, a, bit, cool, bit, it's a cool song. It's a bit kind of teenagery, isn't it? It is. But, like, when I got this album, I was a teenager, yeah. so, like, I was right into it at the time, yeah. so it's, it's a cool song. I think I, I, think I know what you're, what you're, where you're going with this, Tojum. It's it, Is it kind of like the Ghostbusters theme, but a yeah. kind of revamped? You mean like Ghostbusters 2 with Bobby Brown? <laughs> Maybe. You know, there's some songs you listen back to from, from when you're, like, a teenager, early 20s kind of thing. And you listen to them now, and you kind of realise you've moved, you've grown up a bit. And I think this is one of those songs you kind of like. It's a bit kind of teenagery. That's the best word I can think of. Anyway, speaking of teenagery, <laughs> <laughs> Captain. <laughs> what? Oh, Toe Jam um, was suggesting that there was someone on the panel that was a big fan of this teenagery song, and I thought, well, since the three of us have already <laughs> had a review. <laughs> <laughs> it's odds on that it might be you, unless I don't know we've got why a special guest, Shelby Rodriguez. Um, who else could it be? <laughs> Nikki Lamplow? <laughs> Seth Everett? <laughs> Have you got someone up your sleeve? <laughs> I don't know why he would think I like this song. This is a great song. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was the third single from the album. It came out two months after the album. It didn't chart very well at all, but okay. <laughs> I was trying to write notes, like write, review this song, and it was hard. But I'll, I'll try anyway. Tojam didn't like, said he didn't like the bass. I really like the bass. <laughs> the bass line played on the synth in this song. I love it. Sounds great. This track it introduces the song and the name of the new band and the whole concept, which is still using it anyway. When you listen to this on headphones, and probably not on headphones. There's some parts you can hear him singing really low register. There's some really low notes in there, which is cool to hear. Uh, everyone said, uh, I like that weird little circus interlude at 146. And But listening through this with headphones, I distinctly noticed the lack of, we always say, bells and whistles, which a lot of his album, like you know, Love Sexy was only and had two albums before this. That's the first one I can think of. And that's... Every few seconds, there was something different going on. But on this track, it sounds like it's busy, but it's not really. There's just sounds 
it's he's, it's that wall of sound thing. There's just noise, but there's nothing actually happening, which is weird. Because you try to pinpoint what it is, and it's just noise. There's just like keyboards going and swirling around, and there's bass all over the place. But there's nothing you can go, oh, there's a little thing. It's not like that. It's weird. Structurally, it's just a simple pop song as a verse and chorus. And no one mentioned Morris Day on the drums yet. How could you forget him? Uh, that's hard for me to comprehend since my main recollection from this song is in the film clip. Lay down your funky weapon and he hits a snare and the whole drum kit, the whole stage shakes because he's a, he's a monster. That's the best part. It shakes like an earthquake. But yeah, Morris Day played the drums in this song. That's cool. And you've also got... There's hand claps coming in here and there, just like on the first track. Uh, this was released as a maxi single with some other great, great tracks, but we'll talk about them another time. The only thing I like, I wish that happened with this song, was that he released not part one and part two. It was just one track. That would be great. I think there was one weird, like, Bulgarian release or something, which had a, had them joined together. And I made my own mix of it with a mix together, and it's great. But this song, I like it, and that's all. All right, let's release it. Take it all off, bass. I need the funk in my face. I can't stand how this is in my place. Let's get hype, y'all. Release it. Track number three. <laughs> Track number three is entitled Release It. Sorry for doing this again, hogging the opening of these three reviews, but I'll just say that aside from the funky bass line and the cool James Brown type drum loop, which is actually a sample, this would be a cooler jam without Morris Day's lame rap and try hard vocal performance. Off you go, player. Why don't you just tell it like it is? See. <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> Okay, uh, yeah, the exactly what uh, MC said. All right, I'm sorry. I'm not doing that again. I'll, I'll go last from now on. <laughs> it's just, it was so easy to sum up. All right. Like MC said, it does sample uh, Scoop Cakes from uh, Tower of Power. So, ever wanted to hear David Garibaldi on a Prince track? Here it is. I was going to say, Scoop Cakes is one of my all-time favorite Tower of Power tracks. Mm. Oh, it's great. Great awesome. song. When I first heard this song, it was like the first time track I've heard since 84. And while you know, you know, time moves on and growth and not looking back and all that taken into consideration, it's kind of devoid of every classic time element, <laughs> this song, because it's just jam-packed with samples. It's just really beats and sax for the most part. I mean, it is a cool song, but I think it's very throwaway. And yeah, it's just, it's just, it is a weird song. It's not like a classic time song. It doesn't have any sort of the classic time elements. So I think it's kind of strange in that regard. This particular song in the movie Graffiti Bridge is, it has one of my favorite scenes where Morris is performing the song and there's about 100, 200 people in the club and they're all getting into it. And then at the end, all the people leave the club and there's like only five people leave the club and then the whole club is empty. <laughs> Does anyone get that? What? Like, during the performance, right, he's performing, there's about 200 people in the club, like, patrons. Like, they're all part of all that. And then, right at the end, like, they start leaving the club, and there's about five people that actually go at the exit, and then that's it. The whole club is, like, empty. (laughs) Just go and watch it. You'll see. (laughs) They were running a tight budget then. (laughs) Oh, very tight. Very tight. Is that before or after the guy, like, pees in the pot plant and then lights it on fire? Uh, it's just before that scene. <laughs> that's the best bit in the movie. <laughs> anyway, that's not it. Release it. He released it. He did on the plan. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, toe jam. Yeah, it's not much more than a jam, is it? It's like just sort of a funk jam. The bass is really cool. If you listen on the headphones, 
Um, there's some cool bass popping and ghost notes, this kind of thing going on. But yeah, it just it's a pretty disappointing track for a third track on an album. This would have been better for like a B-side, I think, something like that. Uh, it's because it's sort of the, that chlorine bacon skin just jam vibe to it, where it's just a beat, a bass, and they're just doing some crazy rap stuff over the top of it with a bit of sax solo. Is it candy, I'm guessing? Yep. But yeah, there's nothing really, nothing that makes you want to go listen back to it. Yeah, I'll leave it there, I think. And Captain, what are your thoughts on Release It? Oh, all thanks to the great David Garibaldi for the drums. What, what is this song without that drum beat? Absolutely nothing. There'd be nothing without that drum loop. Let's just say he, he, bor- he borrowed it. Uh, you know, around, around this era, like a lot of hip-hop groups were ripping that, that loop. Everyone was doing it. Candy Doffer on the sax. Uh, this was written by Prince and Mr. Levi Caesar Jr. They've written better songs than this, but this one's not too bad. The lyrics, some of the lyrics in this song I love. Take it all off bass, I need the funk in my face. That's one of the best lyrics ever. I could, I could sing that all day. And um, there's so many funny lyrics, like just about every single line in this song, I like the lyrics. I do listen to lyrics when they're this funny. That's about the only time. Well, that's kind of the only time thing in there is that they, they sort of chant, you know, the, the sort of banter between Morris and Jerome, but mm. that's about it. Uh, there's a cool little bass bit at 2.31. I really don't have much to say about this song. It's just too cool for me to say anything. The, the, the lyrics. Too cool? Just the lyrics. And you said you didn't like Morris's performance vocal I think it's hilarious it's great yeah there's no energy in it he's he's, he's lost his luster there's, oh. it's just no there's not like no. you yeah, compare, he, sounds, he sounds bored he sounds but he sounds like this was a contractual obligation seriously it's like <laughs> he does he does you listen to Morris's characterizations on you know the first three time albums they are hilarious and they're like they come across as like off the cuff comedy here he sounds like he's old before his time i'm sorry like it just doesn't come and and that goes for and this kind of spoils my review of all the other time songs but it's just more of the same further down the line you know throughout this album morris just sounds tired but it is like five years later six years later it sounds like it's 50 years later (laughs) anyway actually while we're on the time because you know they disbanded and then after the purple rain thing went they sort of came back together with what, what was that song oak tree there's something else that was Morris's solo oak tree, and then they did yeah. fishnet. Fishnet, that's the one I'm thinking of. Jimmy so that's, Jam. Yeah. that's basically the the start of the the first time reunion, and then but that was all that was all Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis production, whereas this is all yeah. Prince production. Yeah, that's right. But Very it's like, different. Yeah. and now Prince wants to get a piece back of that time sound again, and it's not working. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's funny actually because the the earlier time albums, the best songs are the Prince songs, and, and the later configurations of the time where Prince is involved, it's the, the Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis songs that are better ones. So, yeah. Very All right. Tra- give me a number to phone. You've grown. What? Mm. That's the best lyric. <laughs> really? <laughs> I freaking I laugh every time I hear that. Give a dog a bone. Okay, that's enough. I'm caught. I'm caught <laughs> it. We are officially over this song. Track Why did you release it? <laughs> That's a great play on words, though, Jim. With that, we'll move to track number four. Is there anything that needs to be said about this? I'm going to hand it over to you guys. Uh, the question of you. And opening this review for us is Toe Jam. Well, we've talked about this song before in, was it the 20 greatest or 2090s greatest? I can't remember. 
Uh, probably Ooh, it would have just been in the 90s. I think. Yeah. And yeah, we all agreed it was a stellar. Well, I, I, you may, maybe your views have changed, but it's, it's a great track. 6 8, fairly rare for Prince. He doesn't change time signatures too much. So there you go. 6 8. It's fairly short in the vocals. You know, it's one verse and it's one chorus, and then it's into this big stellar guitar solo. Um, so it would have been, maybe it would have been nice to have an extra verse and chorus, but that's not necessary, I guess. It's got those big wet hand claps towards the end, which is really cool. Uh, but for me, the highlight is the last minute or two when the harpsichord comes in and then it, it comes in again with and it doubles up with the harmony and then a flute line comes in playing this sort of classical melodic minor, harmonic minor sort of classical sort of thing. Uh, and then the beat all the way through that is just driving and driving. It's all funky, sludgy bass and drums going on in the background. So yeah, it's, it's a classic Prince song. Very interesting lyrics about what he's singing about. I won't go into them too deeply, but very interesting. It's just one of those... Really quirky, classic Prince songs that took me a while to get into, but when I finally got into it, I really enjoyed it. So this is one of the songs I can definitely go back and listen to. Cool. Captain, the question of you. Okay, then. Uh, like Can't Stop This Feeling I Got was from 1981. This is from 1985, and it had a bit of work done over the years and finally turned up here. This was also planned as a single release, but that didn't happen for some reason. This is another one-man band track right here. So here we go. Allegedly, one of the best tracks on this album. Uh, (laughs) I'm guessing people are expecting me to not like this track, so let me start with what I don't like about this song. First, the vocal delivery is just so weak. It's just... No. No. It is so weak. You know, it's like no. he just woke up and he's like, oh, I've got to do this vocal. No, 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 That's part of the lyrics. That was Morris Day on Release It. We're talking about track number four now. Nah. But weak, that's, that's weak, weak. That's part of the lyrics. That's kind of the, you know, the sort of depressed yeah, mood exactly. song, you know, the lyrics are about. So, so you, you listen just, to the lyrics, so you're just So you're just agreeing with me. <laughs> no, but it's that's part of it. It's conveying, conveying that, that mood. The emotion. By giving a weak vocal delivery. <sighs> Can you imagine if he came out belting? So what is? I'd probably like this song a lot better if he did. I was thinking more Marilyn Manson myself, actually. Yeah, that's just that's exactly the sound he's going for. No, no, that's the first thing I don't like. The second thing I don't like is the the only like the first two seconds of the song is that weird flute sound. I don't know what that is. It just grates every time I hear it. <laughs> I just want to cut that first two seconds off and just get rid of it. It's very annoying. But that's the only two things I don't like about the track. Everything else about it is pretty damn good. Just make it an instrumental. If, you, if you're going to give such a, like a vocal delivery like that, don't even bother. Just make it instrumental. Just do guitar solos all four minutes. It'd be great. Yeah, everything else is good. Guitar solo and the so simple but so effective drumming, drum beat. There's a cool little keyboard in the background that mirrors either the lead vocal or the guitar solo or whatever's going on. In the back, there's this keyboard playing exactly the same thing, like through the whole song. Whether it's vocal or guitar, it's there. That's cool. It's got the clapping, it's got the massive reverb on everything, and the harpsichord. Probably the best thing about this song is the melody of the chorus. That's great. I can listen to that all day. 126, guitar solo starts, and we've said this before about other solos, but the tone of that guitar on that solo... It's just, it's perfect. It's so good. Uh, there's some very nice rubbery sounding bass bits here and there. And the last minute of this track, it's great. Everything gets going. But it, another thing, I wouldn't say this is a negative, but it annoys me sometimes. At 3.45, you hear another guitar come in with no distortion. It's clean, jazz sounding guitar. 
And it just makes me wonder if there's a whole another section with a whole another guitar solo, which you just edited off and it's sitting in the vault. Because it only comes in, in in the last few seconds and it sounds really nice. And then it's Luffy. gone. But that's about it. I can see why this is a nomination for best track on this album. I don't love it, but it's a good one. That's it. Player, the question of you. Oh, man. Brilliant song. Yeah, minimalist instrumentation makes the song breathe. It's just like a beat, orchestra, harpsichord, bit of keyboard and guitar. The beat has a ton of reverb reverb sounds on it. It sounds really big and massive heavy downbeat. I love that. The orchestra is sort of sweeping and dancing throughout the song. And, and the guitar, I mean, forget it. The tone is awesome. Awesome solo. The live version is unbelievable. That um, video that they used from the Tokyo concert as a video, that's awesome. I love that. The lyrics are fairly simple and rhetorical in nature, and they display sort of sort of gospel stylings from Prince. I think this is definitely a highlight. And, you know, I was just thinking then when Captain's talking about the, the melody in the, in the chorus and stuff and how this song's originated from 1985, I can see a lot of comparison between this and the, the song Under the Cherry Moon. And even in the new tour before this song was played, he used to play the, the piano in the lead-up into it, and he used to play Under the Cherry Moon. And I can see a lot of the similarities in those two songs. Mm, yeah. it's, it's really, it's really cool. Awesome. Well, I agree with with much of what you said, player. And um, it's a uh, it's a great piece of work. And I find it difficult to describe because, in, in a way, it's deceptively simple. It's a deceptively simple song, and just the way that he's put all the different elements together. I think it's pure genius, and he's obviously inspired. And I like, and in fact, prefer to hear. Prince when he's either being explicitly over the top, completely inspired musically, or introspective. And when I say introspective, I'm thinking of songs like Sometimes It Snows in April and all that kind of stuff. And this is another one of those, you know, really introspective songs that, again, play other rhetorical, they're rhetorical questions, but at the same time, they're, they're questions nonetheless, and the things that I think not only us as listeners, but I think anyone... Yeah, any, everyone alive has grappled with at least part of those. And the last minute, I, I love. I really adore that last part where it evokes some, some... I don't know what period of classical music it would be, whether I'm... Maybe I'm thinking... It's medieval. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sounds I, like I, it. I was, I was thinking more... And I don't know if this is a period of classical music or, or art in general, but I was thinking more Renaissance era, whatever it is. Good old harpsichord. Yeah, that was that, that. That part is awesome, and it's a searching song of self-discovery by an artist who I think at that point in his career, or at least when the song was you know first written, would have been on on a you know the very early stages of his own journey of self-discovery. So it's kind of a serious track from that point of view. But he does he brilliant work musically. Just Prince is one of those artists who he can sum up a thought or a feeling in a few lines lyrically and then evoke exactly what that song is saying musically. And this is just an incredibly fantastic version, an amazing example of that, of his ability to do that. I love it. I think it's genius. And it is one of the best songs on the album. Thank you, Captain. (laughs) Uh, And with that, we go to Elephants and Flowers. Track number five, player. Yeah, I really like this song. Again, it kind of flows on from the love sexy vibe and its trippiness, especially with the title. You get a lot of religious imagery and references in this song. 
musically there's heaps of modulated vocals and it's there's heaps of nice rock guitar in it especially in all the verses it's really cool to listen to but again it's kind of like new power generation there's a lot going on but there's no no sort of real thing that you could sort of really pick out there's sort of like a lot's going on but yet nothing it's but it is That's a really nice song. That's what I was nice saying song. before. Yeah. This is it's another like one of those you tracks. You try to yeah. pinpoint. Point. It's yeah, just this wall of sound thing. That's right. One thing I will say is I, I would like to see this, him do this live. I know he has pulled it out a couple of times in the last few years, but I'd like to see it sort of regular in the set. It's, it's a pretty cool song. But yeah, I, I, really, I got nothing on it because it's, it is a good song, but there's nothing that I can really say, you know, I like this bit, I like that bit. It's, it's just a nice song overall. Okay. Captain, what are your thoughts on Elephants and Flowers. This is another one-man band track. And this is one of the... Probably one of the newest songs on the album. This is only from 1988. Supposedly recorded on the same day as Still Would Stand All Time. So it fits in. He was in a a spiritual mood that day to do both of these. Uh, First off, we start with this screaming guitar and then a lion roar. Is this the only Prince track where we hear an actual lion? Yes. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I can't think of I can't think of any other one. But it, well, he, it's he kept not... his line in his pocket before. So. Yeah, that's true. Oh, is there a line sound on that track, though? No, he wasn't using sound effects like that. The way uh, you an elephant oh, talk to that later. There's an elephant squeal in or in uh, Lady Cab Driver. There you go. Elephant. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ooh, we'll get to that. <laughs> I absolutely love this track when this album came out and I like it a bit less now but it's still great on this album you have a track like this and Still Will Stand All Time and a few others to a lesser extent where his his beliefs are right out there for everyone which I like whether I believe it or not that doesn't matter I like the conviction and I can hear it you can hear it when he, when he sings it listen to this listen to this Love the one who is love, the one who gives us the power, the one who made everything, elephants and flowers, the one who will listen when all others will not. There will be peace for those who love God a lot. What a chorus. That's magic. And it's in such a weird time signature. Toe Jam, what is it? It's just weird. Uh, it's 4-4, it's four, four, but it's all accented on weird spots. It's all, off, it's all over the place, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, there's love, love the little guitar solo at 319. It's only yeah, 319, huh? huh, huh? It's only short, but it's nice. Player said about playing this live, but this is a studio track. And I say that because the few times he, he has played it, it just never seemed to, to come off right. There's some songs that you just, they don't work. And I don't know if this ever would. It's like Electric Chair. It's a, it's a studio track. You're never going to have a band good enough. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> There's some tracks that just, they're just meant to be on an album. Mm-hmm. Even and if some they're, that aren't. Even we'll if they're great. They're even if they're so great, played live, and some, some songs just don't work. And I think this is one of them. But I really like the song. But album version. It's an album track. All right, all right. I told you, have you done your review on this? Not yet. Go right ahead. <laughs> um, musically, I really like the song. It's got that weird sound at the beginning. It sounds like you know he's waking up. He's like he's waking up, and then there's a, a lion screaming, and then there's this big beat. It's like he's woken up and he's in the mid- mid- middle of Africa. That's kind of the vision I get. And there's all these animals, zoo animals around. That's what I've been saying all this time. Prince needs to go to Africa, get inspired, get an all African band, and yeah. be like Paul Simon. None of these yeah. digital lions and. Yeah. <laughs> so in that sense, it has a really cool atmosphere about it, um, and it kind—it's of, a bit Sesame Street in a good way. And it, 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 another vision that came to mind is like you know you see those photos of like like 1960s New York where it's like a stinking hot day, and they open up the fire mains, like yeah. the the water main things, and fire everyone's hydrant. yeah, and everyone's dancing around. It kind of reminds me of that that sort of vibe. The guitar riff is—it's just a really killer guitar riff that really cool. That just sort of runs all the way through the song. 
there's a cool lyric about um you know he can't find a shy angel in a in a city so bold that's a cool lyric and then he talks about you know he's but that's rock and roll which is a really nice way to follow it up um i like the way there's the sort of synth barry sax that sort of represents the elephant in the song you know this big slodge you imagine this big slodgy elephant with big kick drum and this barry sax playing <laughs> all this little stuff so you know the title of the song elephants and flowers just this big contrast between something big and heavy and something small and gentle lyrically i agree with captain i, I really you can hear his sentiment and you can hear his his passion but mm. you know I'll, I'll leave it there as i often do so yeah it's a funny song because there's some bits like musically i really like it and i like many elements of it but again those those lyrics just kind of it's sort of like a wall and as much as i can appreciate his sentiment it kind of kills the song for lack of a bit of a phrase oh yeah you don't like him saying <laughs> this no, is my religion like, this is my religion and no, no, you listen I, to it. no no i have no problem with his conviction and his sentiments but it's it's just okay i think it's a great title though i mean it's, oh, yeah, just, yeah. Written, it's yeah. just written in 88 like it's love sexy song really even yeah. it wasn't written for love sexy but you know elephants and who else is going to come up with a title like that Elephants and flowers. That's just crazy. La 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 la. There's, there's, there's one cool bit actually. Um, you know how he has that. He hits like it sounds like it's a synth note. He hits a synth and then it sort of falls, dips down, and then it starts to build up. And as it builds up, it changes uh, into his vocals. And it's yeah, his it's vocal. yeah, yeah. That's really cool bit, that bit. Some crazy love sexy production going on there. There's some backwards tape looping, is, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. interesting. I know, I know pioneering, Nikki. pioneering Prince, still pioneering in 1990. I know Nikki loves this song. Cool. We won't say which one, Captain. We'll let our listeners. Some Nikki on Earth. <laughs> figure that one out. Okay, yeah, MC, what do you think about this song? I actually agree with player on this. I, I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a hymn-like work dedicated to God, animals, and nature. And uh, aside from the very corny video clip in the Graffiti Bridge movie... What? Uh, no, no, no. Zinc, you you cannot say that. The less said, the better about that one. But yeah, that's a cool that, song. I like it. That's one of the best video clips in that extended video clip of a movie. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's wearing the black and half black, half white, and oh, it's an excellent video. Yeah, Zinc makes him look stupid. I cannot hear this song without thinking <laughs> of that video. And Great. the problem is, for, for, for differing reasons, um, I feel exactly the same way. <laughs> and the song suffers every time I hear it. But the song oh. on its own is cool. I, look, I, um, I think this is one of his better spiritual works, so to, so to speak. That's about all I have to say about that. Let's go to track number six. Let's get down. Tevin Campbell and Round and Round. Just because I feel like it. I want to start off with player on this. You digging this R&B jam? Um, yeah, I am. But it's it, that's all it is. It's just an R&B jam. It, it's obviously a Prince song, Prince Penn song. But it's you know it's remixed by Junior Vasquez, and it's it's very different in its sound, really, to everything else. But like as an R&B track, it works in this album. It's off kilter a bit because it's fill up, it, fill up, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is filler, but also... To, I Somebody mean, get told him a drink. I mean, I think the actual song is good for Tevin Campbell. Like, I think he was 13 or something at the time. And, you know, it's, it's a good track for him. And then, like, they've got to place him, his performance into the film. So, his world would have been going round and round around that time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he was, like... Was he discovered by Quincy Jones? And then Prince picked him up. And so, so like, you know, he, he, this is, like, a good sort of start out song for, for him but yeah there's nothing musically where it sort of develops and breaks out it's just it's just really a beat and 
that's it. It's very hard to describe. It's just a really straightforward track. It's a nice track for what it is, but it's there's nothing really memorable about it. It is a cool song. I do like it. It's just a very basic song. It goes that- round and round, this song. That's exactly <laughs> what happens. Very good. Uh, Tony Jam. I shouldn't pay it out too much because it's actually not as bad as Release It. Better than Release It. But no, it is v- no way. It is release, very... Release It kills this. Oh, my. No way. I think we should let them both out on the street and let them fight it out. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. Release, release It. I think our <laughs> listeners may be knowing where we're sort of heading. Well, me anyway. And it, it seems like a few of else of us as well about the associated artists on this album but yeah it's a bit skippable it's not bad i don't really have anything else to say to it about it to be honest so good captain Thanks. what have you got to say about this <laughs> round and oh, round this is the only track from tevin on this album so it's it's weird i mean mavis staples only got one track too but the time they've got a few and then prince he's got all of them but yeah everyone said there's really nothing much to this song it's it's got a vocal and while that's nice, it's just not strong enough to to hold this song up. Yeah, ultimately it's, we can we can uh, we can talk on and on, but this this album just keeps going round and round, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, anytime the associated artists are involved, it certainly does. But you know, we're saying this is you know a weak track. This was the release as the second single from the album, and it got to number three on U.S. Billboard R&B charts. So I don't know what that says. Because people don't associate it with Prince, that's why. Yeah, maybe. But it's still it's still not a great track. How could it get to number three? That's just crap. What else was... There must have been nothing else going on that week. Payola. If this got to number three... Something was going on. And the version that ended up on the album was the remix. Like, player said, Junior Vasquez did the remix of Prince's original version. But Prince liked the remix better, so he put that on the album and dropped the original version. I like Prince's backing vocals on this track. That's probably the, the highlight. <laughs> Yeah, that that's, is a, cool. that's about they're, sm- they're just smooth they're, they're yeah. really nice uh, it's good it's got good lyrics I'll give it that it's very positive mm. it's just it's a decent track nothing mind blowing it's easy listening it's an easy listening R&B past the time track past, past the time? past you can pass the time while listening to <laughs> this song I thought you said past the time like let's go grab a meal while this plays in the background <laughs> <laughs> it's past the time you can cook pasta <laughs> you can, time you can cook pasta to this <laughs> track <laughs> somewhere in there there is a there is a good to great song waiting to be redone i feel like the lyrics are positive uh it's just the music is not very involving and it doesn't seem to hold your interest does it mm. as time jam said keeps going round and round in circles it seems with that let's go into something much more funky part on the pun but track number seven and it's we can funk Well, this is certainly a highlight of the album. It's very thick, though. There's heaps going on. I like the way, you know, they go back and forth between George and Prince singing the vocal. And there's there's sort of three, maybe four hooks going all the way all the way through. You've got the, the knee-deep kind of synth line hook, uh, which is really cool. You've got the Eric and Atlanta horn line. And you've got the guitar, sort of a hook, I guess, that little acoustic-y guitar thing going... So you've kind of got these three sort of little musical motifs that sort of are like little hooks in the song. So that's really cool. There's some pretty cool lyrics in this. Uh, Obviously, the whole thing is this whole play on funk and you know what else. One of my favorite lyrics on it is the one I started with, the the Kama Sutra. You know, he could rewrite it with half as many words. That's such a funny line. 
And then there's the big section towards the end where, you know, this is a classic Prince seduction moment, I guess, where, you know, things are building and tension's rising and um, sweat is starting to pour. You've got those oohs and ahs that just keep building and building. And, you know, Prince is saying, I can be this and I can be that. I can be a boy or a girl. I can be a toy. And uh, it's a really classic section the way it builds that. It's really cool. Anyway, so there's this insane lyric that I'd never heard before until today when I listened to it. It's kind of gross. But I'll repeat it for our Peach and Back listeners. Um, <laughs> Some people say, I got no taste. Blow the candle out and let's see if it's true. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Listen back and, and have another think about it. <laughs> Some people say, I got Get no someone taste. someone to blow out your candles. Yeah, blow out the candle and see if it's true. Hmm. <laughs> That's a... Cr- <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> I mean, happy birthday <laughs> to you. I mean, on, in some ways, that is like the grossest lyric. But on the other hand, it's such a clever play on words as well. He does come out with them sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, this is a real funky song. I hate it when the wax drips down the sides, don't you? <laughs> you went one step too far. <laughs> I did. I'm off the show. Yeah. The only, the only thing I would change is just that synth bass sound. I, w- I would change it to something more normal i guess for lack of a better word uh and i'll leave it there it's a real funky staple middle of the album song awesome captain what are your thoughts on this one this is another recycled track it was recorded originally around the same time as erotic city so which has the lion weekend funk allegedly until the dawn so not a surprise spun off that into another song. Uh, it was re-recorded 86, updated 89, and finally got on this album. It's a duet between Prince and George Clinton. At the start of the show, MC, you mentioned about Wendy and Lisa being on this album. They actually are on this track, uncredited. Really? Is it background vocal? <laughs> uh, guitar, yeah, maybe vocals, but I think guitar and keyboards or something like that, because mm, he reused the original 83 backing tracks, which they're on. So when they picked up that album... And put it back on the shelf. I don't know. I don't want to know what they were thinking. Exactly. When will we be paid? That's what they were saying. But though it's a duet between Prince and George Clinton, you look at the credits. George brought the whole crew. There's Gary Scheider, Belita Woods. There's a whole bunch of people on this track. Amp Fiddler. On on backing vocals, yeah. Did you say Amp Fiddler? Yeah. Wow. What was he, like eight? (laughs) (laughs) No, I was looking in the credits. I'm like, Gary Scheider, Belita Woods, and there's about five others. That's all fucking delicate, yeah. Yeah, they're they're all all around the studio. Yeah. But I have to add this to the growing list of songs that most people think are great, but I just don't get. You're kidding. You don't get this? You are kidding. Have you heard this this on headphones, Captain? About four times. This is a blow your head off song. About four times today. And it didn't blow your head off? It did you have it up loud enough? It was up pretty loud. I mean it's okay. I just don't hear anything great. Wow. Oh, come on. Out of all the Prince tracks on this album, this one probably sits like a, probably about halfway down the list for me. You know how we talk about how Prince has got this ability to arrange, arrange a track with so that it peaks and it like peaks in incredibly well? This is probably one of the one of the yeah, best it's got prime that. examples. Like it just it explodes towards the end. Yeah, it does, but that's not all it takes to make a great song. Is to have a climax in it. That's there's a lot more. Sometimes to one good that. climax is, is all it takes, Captain. Uh, not in this song. I mean, no, nothing really happens. George says a bit. Prince says a few lines. George says some more lines. The only real good bit for me is 501 to 518, where Prince is just screaming his head off in the background vocals. That's great stuff. 
but apart from that, I could take it or leave it. You're well, taking that's, that's 17. Cool, that, whole, that whole bit, because, you know, it starts with these light oohs, and then it sort of goes to these ahs, and then by the end of it, it's just full-on screaming. Yeah, it's, that's, that's the best bit, is that last bit. But the whole song, it's, I don't know, just not much happens for me. I don't, I don't get it. All right. Is, is, this, is this the one, is this the song with that lyric about peeing in a cup? <laughs> yeah. Which I do get, because... Uh, <laughs> you understand what peeing in a cup that. is like. <laughs> it's like, George, you pee, I'll give it to you, you pee on it, you give it back, that's, that's what you do. Well, that's what they did with this track. I don't think they recorded this together. They, they kept sending this tape back and forth. Yeah. But, yeah, that's yeah, average for we've, me. We've got to go to player on this. Player, what are your thoughts on this track? Uh, Weekend Funk, definitely very interesting lyrics, very sultry lyrics. The beat and the instrumentation is funky as all get out. It's nice to hear Eric Leeds and Atlanta Bliss on this track because uh, it's kind of like, I don't think they're anywhere else on this album from memory. And like That's I just because they used the old backing tracks. Yeah. They didn't actually come in and record stuff. And again, like Captain said, it's a rework of earlier Prince track. And just to finish up, I really liked the Andy Yellow cover last year or the year before that, where it was slowed down and done acoustically. We can love. Yeah, hmm. that was really cool. I like both like the way Prince has done it here, and I also like the way Andy Yellow did it. It's, it's really, really cool. It's a very versatile song. Yeah, it's one of my favorites on this album as well. Cool. Wow. Well, I agree. This is the jam with a capital J, A, and M. And an exclamation mark. This song builds and builds and builds until it just explodes at around the 316 mark. These background vocals start coming in and it's it's an experience listening to this. And on, onwards from about that point in the song, the synth horns and they're, they're just swinging and Prince's voice is losing his mind. Everything just, it's just builds to this massive crescendo. There's so much going on in this track, percolating. All throughout. So funky. I love the beat. It's just, it's so tight. Really well programmed and really really well presented. The song goes off. Whether you're playing it to 11 in your car's stereo, regardless of whether it's a stock or a custom system, it doesn't matter. (laughs) This song sounds good on a cheap or an expensive pair of earphones. You just need to turn it loud and listen to the beat. That's all you need to do on this song. And then, um, obviously, Prince's vocals just seal the deal. Incredible. Those are my thoughts. And speaking of incredible, we go into track number eight and a song that is incredibly well-loved in the fan community. But what do the Peach and Black podcast think about? Track number eight, Joy in Repetition. Holding someone is truly believing There's joy in repetition There's joy in repetition Folks, it's on you. Uh, Captain, why don't you lead us off? Oh, why? Why me? Okay. This song is from 1986 originally. It was placed to be on the original Crystal Ball album, and it got the chop when it got cut down to two discs for Sign of the Times. It's crazy to think joint repetition could have been on Sign of the Times. But it'd fit, it'd fit with some other songs on there. But this is another one-man band track. This is almost five minutes of magic. This song, it's just a good song. It's a damn good song, I'll say that. When you said, why me, I thought you were going to tear this to pieces. Oh, you, we've got to have some drama. <laughs> you can't just be, you know, oh, I love it. 
some of the backing vocals just they just blow you away. I like the sort of free form vocal delivery. I was thinking about I'm like should I say it's lazy, but it's not lazy. It doesn't sound like that. It's it's it comes across really well. It's just a little bit behind the beat. It's it is. It's cool and it really fits in this song. I saw what you did there. Haha. Uh-huh. I'll let someone else talk about the lyrics cuz I'm sure someone will. I'll just say that that the phrase join repetition that's that's just so Prince. That's just something that he'd come up with. And this song, probably the first one on this album so far, has like all these little things that you can hear. Like there's this bit where he says, uh, I think, tell me what's your name? And he does this really low bass vocal and it sounds really cool. And the actual bass is very cool too. I'd literally never listen to this song. I just listen to the bass. Just focus on that. There's some really cool little bits. At 102, there's some cool high note stuff, which I'd never heard before until yesterday. And there's another cool bit, 428 to 440 bass stuff. That's just... And uh, you're always listening to the vocal or something else, but you just go and listen to the bass. There's some cool little stuff. I like it when the snare comes in at 128. That just sounds good. And three minutes in, the guitar solo kicks off, and what a solo it is. I just wish it was a bit more up front. It starts off... It's a really cool effect though, how it starts off way on the left and then it slowly moves over to the middle and then over to the right and then it sort of goes left and right a bit and then it ends up back in the middle. It's a cool idea to have such a slow pan when everyone just usually does it fast and this one lasts like at least 30 seconds like left to right. I thought that was, that was great. And my favorite part of this song doesn't exist. I have to, <laughs> what? I have to say thank you to Prince when he says rain 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 he doesn't put a rain sound effect that is the best part of the song when i don't hear that sound effect well it kind of does but it's, it's vocals but it's sound. with vocals no it's with yeah. vocals it's okay. not raindrops or you know rain sounds if if he <laughs> did that i swear that would have just ruined this track for me but because it doesn't happen i can say this is one of the best tracks on this album i don't know what else i can say about it it's just good great song great solo great production Oh, except for one thing that annoys me. This song is the handling of the, the segue at the start, which is the same one which is on the Love Sexy album. But here, it starts off like right there, and then after like four or five seconds, it just cuts way in the back. Yeah. And it's really annoying. It's like, you know, you've got the master tapes, just do it properly. And then he sort of brings it back in and like fades it a bit over to the left and the right. I'm like, oh, just fix it. I can see the headline in tomorrow's edition of the Prince Times. Captain of the Peach and Black podcast calls Joy and Repetition greatest song on album due to absence of rain sounds. <laughs> exactly. There's no sound effect of rain. But yeah, just where that seat, that, that, where all that stuff at the start, it just cuts out like after four or five seconds. It doesn't cut out. It just cuts way to the I back. I was thinking the headline. I, th- I thought you were going to say headline. Captain, fix it. <laughs> just, just, Captain says, just fix it. Join repetition. Just fix it. <laughs> just a song. No, no. But this is one of the best songs <clears throat> on this album. Very good. Very, very good. Uh, player. Oh, man. Forget it. This is the jam. Like, my words won't encapsulate the awesomeness of this song. I don't even know if I should bother. First okay, off, next, this- um, <laughs> track, track nine, Love Machine. <laughs> okay. Skip that. Track ten, uh, <laughs> Tick Tick Bang Bang. First off, there's this... I'll get something out of the way first. I don't like the abrupt ending of We Can Funk and then straight into this song. I don't like that sort of transition. Always annoys me, that part. 
But aside from that, you've got this lo-fi droning keyboard that underpins the song, and it's so surreal sounding and hypnotic. I could listen to that all day. I really like that keyboard in there. The beat also is sublime and hypnotic. There's a little bit of echo on it, kind of semi-tribal, and then you've got the percussion over the top, which is really nice. There's just a conga sound, really light percussion. The jazzy guitar licks add the flavor, as Captain was saying, the bass as well. It's really cool. The lyrics are pure poetry, and Prince successfully paints the picture of the like of exactly the situation, the club and the girl and the alley, and it's just great storytelling. You know, these two words, love me, and really that's the point of the whole song is the girl wants Prince to love her. And just like the the way the, the verses, it's almost like a rap, you know, should he rap to her, should he stand and stare, no one else is watching her, she didn't seem to care. Like, it's really cool writing, like what he, what he was doing in the song. This would be one of my all-time favorite tracks of Prince's. It's definitely in my top 10 for sure, and the live versions of it, I mean, forget it. It's really cool. I love this song. Yeah, this is a live, it's a monster of a track when done right, isn't it? I mean, we, we've all heard the One Night Alone after show version, which possibly could be one of, if not the greatest live performance of this track. Play, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, it's really hard to, it's, it's hard to begin and end my review of this because I think it's, it's definitely one of my favorite Prince songs and it's just one of those songs that is so difficult to talk about. And maybe that's the hallmark of his greatest work when you're just, God, that's good. <laughs> you know, that's the response that I'm getting. But getting a little bit into my notes, the limited notes I have, this is a unique in the Prince canon because he tells a story and it's a story of, of a night, but it could be the story of any night, of many nights, of the, the title explains it all, joy and repetition. Really, it can be taken many ways. I know which way I'm taking it, but regardless of your point of view, the atmosphere that he creates, the sensualness, the classic guitar solo, just the classic aura and ambience of this song. It's a, pardon the word, the use of the word again, but it's a classic moment in a storied career. And that's basically it. I love this song. It, it's a pinnacle, I think, in his discography. The last thing I'll say before we go to Toe Jam is how interesting is it that it takes almost a minute and a half before a single drum note is hit. I find that find that odd. You know, he's had um, long intros before, but this one kind of winds and wavers. And then right when he gets into the storytelling, you hear the first drum and the echo and the reverb on that as well. And it's just, it's pure gold from that point on. Toe Jam, join repetition. I agree. Uh, it's one of the best print songs of all time. Definitely in my top 10 as well. And again, I, I agree with Player that it's those synths, those dripping synths that just breathe all the way through. And um, it's kind of the, the brother slash sister of Beautiful Strange. Uh, I've said that lots of times. It's just these three chords that just repeat, go around in a circle the whole way through, but it, it doesn't get tiresome at all. This, and it, again, it all comes down to the, the subtlety of the arrangement, the way he makes the whole thing breathe and swell and etc. Uh, and again, it's all about the storytelling. Um, great stuff there. I, I have, have pretty much the same as everyone else. When that snare comes in, about a minute and a half, it, it really starts to lock in. The guitar solo is awesome. Something that I think we may have talked about when we talked about it on the top 20 uh, is the way the guitar solo towards the end of it, how he has the echo thing going. And so he's playing. Um, so he plays a little bit. And yes, then the echo the machine, yeah, the delay plays it back. Then he plays something else. And it's like he's talking to he's talking to himself. You know, it's going... Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. You know, 
Because um, there's joy in repetition, obviously. Yeah. And, and each time he builds it, he bends it just a little bit higher. And it's just such an awesome effect the way he does that. Something I sort of picked up today, I'm just trying to think of things that we haven't said about it before, is, you know, the last minute and a half, while that guitar solo is going on, you've just got, in the center, you've got this female vocal, just and, and Prince singing the high falsetto as well, just, just saying, joy, joy. And then in, in another side, you've just got the vocal just saying, love me, love me. And then it's somewhere else, it's like, in repetition, in repetition. And, and so you've got like this, there's just like these these words that are, it's so it's almost hypnotic and it's um, sort of subconscious. These it's almost like the the words are just coming into his mind and they just does that make sense? They're sort of they're just emerging. Yeah. These words these words are just emerging out of nowhere, sort of thing. It's um, really cool effect. So it's it's one of the songs you could spend you know uh, an entire episode just talking about the level of subtlety and detail in this song. It's such a good song. Um, live version always kills it. Again, the only thing I agree with player that would is kind of annoying is the way it intro is the way it starts with the segue from we can funk but anyway that's pretty minor brilliant song let's leave it there all right and from one brilliant song to track number nine love machine Captain, it's yours. Done. Sold. Oh, here we go. <laughs> the highest bidder. This is the Love Machine, credited to the time, even though it's really a, it's a duet between Morris Day and Elisa Fiorilla, but it's the second track on the album credited to the time. I don't know. It's another track with not much to it musically. It's got a cool beat. It's got a little funky guitar. It's got Candy's overdubbed sax parts and some samples here and there, and that's about it. But it was written by Prince Levi and... Morris Day, and at 2.29, it's in a spoken part. There's this weird music in the background, and I have no idea what it is. It could be a sample, or it could have been recorded specifically for this track. It almost sounds like this, you know, Middle Eastern music from what I can hear. It's just a weird little thing. Listen to that. I've mentioned this in Diamonds and Pearls review. Most of this music ended up being reused in Glance Slam 91, which then ended up as a get-off. So... You can thank this song as well for Get Off even being in existence. And correct me if I'm wrong, did we hear some of this at the Australian 2012 shows? I hope not. We <laughs> <laughs> did? Yeah, I think, um, I think Joshy requested it on Facebook to Elisa and she sung it that night or something. She yeah, sang I, bits of it. I, yeah. I remember hearing it, ah. but I don't remember if she sang it live or if it was a sample. I can't remember. I think she threw it in there. I, I never heard it myself. I, I heard of he- it, yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing it and I'm like, what? <laughs> I couldn't believe that this was happening. It, t- it took me like 10 seconds to even recognize what it was because it was so out of nowhere. But anyway, yeah, Love Machine. So, uh, Tai Jam. Player. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I, I have very little to say. I'll just okay, say it sort of reminds me of, of uh, Dangerous, the Michael Jackson song, like the beat and the, the way that St. Morris is sort of talking the vocal all the way through. Now, what was released first? That, that, this would have come before Dangerous, wouldn't it? Yeah. So there you go. Yes. Michael Jackson ripped off Love Machine for Dangerous. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I really don't see the comparison. <laughs> so, okay. Just, yeah, just the beat, the sort of, you know, the sort of rolling, snappy yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, you're with right. With the, you're right, with the yeah. deep vocal talking over it. Yeah, it's sort of it's supposed to be a crucial moment in the movie where Morris and Ingrid, Spirit Child, whatever her name is, hook up. But yeah, it's it's pretty skippable. Uh, this is Elisa's first song 
Is this, was this before or after her album came out? This would have been before as well, wouldn't it? Uh, so. Same year or something. Yeah. So there you go. You've got Rosie Greens. <laughs> Stop <laughs> saying that. And uh, Eliza on the... Um, Rirarillo. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's almost like they were trying out who was going to make it into the MPG. So, yeah. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Sorry, I should have said Fiorillo. I mean, I, that was just for effect. <laughs> Not very funny as usual. Player, do you love the love machine? Yeah, I do. I think it's a fun song. It's a fun dance track. But I'm like, really? you guys, there's, there's not a lot to it. I don't really have a lot to say about it. I think lyrically, the song is quite clever. And I think it's also clever in its execution with the duet between Morris and Elisa trading the, the vocal lines. But Morris's vocals are quite low in the mix. Or maybe yeah. it's just dawned on me, like what MC said earlier, he, said, he, might, he might sound bored or something. He's trying to sound seductive, but it just comes across as bored. But his vocals are very low in the mix, but... Yeah, it's a it's a cool song. It's better. Yeah, nothing to it really. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's a skipper. Like the the chorus is childish to me. Not much of a song here, really. It's all like this toing and froing between the two central characters, and that's basically it. It's just like weak and funk, then, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Let's move on to track number ten. <laughs> track number ten. Tick tick bang. bang. You're such a I'll just, I'll, I guess I'll start this off. I haven't started off one of these for a while. This is a freaky track. Oh, it's freaky, all right. <laughs> I mean, Erotic City is like the pretty girl next door, you know, in comparison <laughs> to Tick, Tick, Bang. This is filthy. Uh, I've said this before about a couple of print songs um, in the past. Filthy funk, but this is filthy funk and roll and all sorts of other stuff in there. He's got some salacious lyrics Pardon the pun, but it's explosive in its execution. Um, it's strange. Strange song to release. It is. Yeah. I know it goes back to the early 80s, and I think this... I mean, this song is really good <laughs> to start with. <laughs> really, really good. Number one, to have the balls to write it. Number two, to have the balls to execute it. And then to actually release it again. Pardon the well, pun. You but- need balls for those things, eh? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right about that. Yeah, this is a cool song to listen to. I mean, from a distance, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like as explosive as it actually is. And again, I was listening to this way loud on headphones, and it and it blew my head off. I love it. <laughs> I really do. And the just the audacity of the delivery, and and just <laughs> I mean, he's singing some of this stuff that is really quite explicit sexually. And there's, there's, some c- there's no telling how long he'll last. He probably could <laughs> blow your head off. <laughs> there's, um, you're <laughs> right about that. And, and the other thing is, well, wait a, wait a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> took, you long, took you long enough. It did, I know. Uh, <laughs> hey, you, you really got me then, Captain. I, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but just the delivery, the tick, 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 bang, bang just all the, over just, you. Just, just the delivery. <laughs> <laughs> the delivery alone. You give you shivers. It's unbelievable to me that he says some of this stuff and sings it and, and sings it in falsetto, nevertheless, and still executes it so well that it doesn't sound crass. I mean, it sounds a little questionable at times, but I think it really it works as a, as a filthy sexual song <laughs> as far as that, that type of, those types of songs go. 
I don't know if you guys noticed this. I only noticed this really recently, funnily enough, that the um, the live drum sound, like the live kind of cymbals really, I wouldn't even say deep in the mix, just kind of underneath the mix that I found really, really cool. Like it gives it a heavier kind of rock vibe. So that's my review. And uh, with that, let's get a play up. Mm, yeah, I mean, listening to this, I've got the same face as Morrison Graffiti Bridge. It's kind of like the Darling Nikki moment of In Purple Rain. Like, this is the equivalent in Graffiti Bridge. Musically, there's not a lot there. You've got that um, little Miss Lover sample from Jimi Hendrix as the beat. And then you've got that lead line piano, which kind of sounds like all out of tune to me. I mean, it, it is cool, but I, I really have to be in the mood for it to listen to it. It's just a very strange song. I think it's a strange song. But yeah, that's all I've got. All right, moving to Captain on this one. I've got a few things to say, but first I want to say I never think about what this song is about. I think I just choose not to because I don't want to think about that. I just listen to it and it's a song. Until you guys started talking about it, I don't think it's ever entered my mind that that's actually what it's about. I don't know why. I'll just ignore that part of it. I don't need to know that. But yeah, this anyway, this is what I was going to say. Ignorance is bliss. It is in this case. It is, yeah. Uh, This was, yeah, originally I think it was from 81. When, you know, your Dirty Mind controversy, he was doing songs like Jack You Off and, you know, this is what he was singing about. Stuff like this. So, it's, it is weird that he brought it back, you know, eight, nine years later and put it out on an album which is, for the most part, there's a fair bit of spiritual stuff on here. And then he puts this. That's just bizarre to me. But then, you know, he's always mixed sex and religion anyway, so it's no surprise really, I suppose. It's another one-man band track. It's all him. Uh, the backing vocals, they're very impressive. On some audio programs, you can do like a karaoke and remove the main vocal, and you just hear all the background stuff that's in there. If you can do that with this song, do that. You hear some of the background vocals, there's some great stuff going on in there. My favorite part of this song is the where he's singing about the 24-carat relationship, and it goes up and up and up. Uh, that's a good bit. Uh, it's at 2.33. That's just magic. Not to mention the main vocal. That's probably that's up there with the one of the best vocals on this album, probably. This was also had a plan to be a single, but never happened for whatever reason. Uh, I like it, but out of all the Prince tracks, it's it's down the, the lower end of the quality list, I think, on this album. That's it. Uh, Toe Jam, round out Tick Tick Bang for us. Yeah, it's a strange one. I have kind of have a, a love-hate relationship with it because there are some really cool things going on. I, I really like the beat, just the way this mm. almost boom, 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 boom. It's almost it's pretty modern, actually. Like, um, yeah. if you think, like, what's that Beyonce song I'm thinking of? Crazy in Love and this kind of thing. That sort of big, thumping beat. But yeah, it's, it's strange because there's some good things going on, but then, we're, we're, like, especially in the movie, it's placed in the movie and it's supposed to be, it's, is it, deliberately supposed to be a bad song because it's like oh prince has gone too far now that's, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's almost kind of like the battle of the battle in his yeah you know, after he's he losing, that, he's losing the battle yeah yeah which is kind of weird so it's like has he deliberately made it over the top for that reason i don't know that could oh that could have been the reason why he, he dragged out an old song yeah. with such explicit content yeah just to play that part of the movie that's interesting yeah, yeah potentially but yeah production wise there's a lot going on and it's pretty crazy. Yeah, like I said, I kind of like it, but I kind of don't as well. It's it's pretty skippable. If you're not in the mood for it, it, it normally gets to skip pretty quick. So yeah, yeah. Tick 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 tick. Skip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just thought of another lyric which relates to what the song is about, where he says, "Baby, don't spit me out." I never even yeah hmm. thought about what that actually meant until actually. Now. 
I just remembered <laughs> this is the song that has a fart. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. There was a there was a thread on Prince Org years and years ago, and it was like I knew I'd do this show for a reason. <laughs> and I can't remember. The thread was like, you know, what's the weirdest thing you've ever heard in a Prince song? And it was all these people posting, oh yeah, you know, I really like the keys in this song. That's really cool. And then someone's like, there's a fart noise in Tick Tick Bang. I forget where it is. It's it's in the first twenty seconds somewhere. I think it's like thirteen seconds or something. Listen carefully. There's this big. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just there and it's nowhere else uh, it's just it's just sitting there so. okay now so the next the obvious question to ask now is is this a one man band performance <laughs> it is <laughs> so it couldn't be anyone else <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoever smells it dealt it so <laughs> this is what it sounds like when the dogs fart <laughs> It is in there. It's like 14, 15 seconds in. I think that's part of the original Jimi Hendrix sample. It must must be Jimi. (laughs) (laughs) So next time we get to talk to Prince, we'll be like, so what made you put a sample of Jimi Hendrix fart in a song? (laughs) (laughs) And he wouldn't have even a I mean, you knew he was a great guitar player and all, but hey, that that other stuff is really good. Billy, Billy comes storming in. What the fuck's wrong with you, kid? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of your shit. <laughs> your music makes sense to nobody but just. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think <laughs> I think I'm gonna be the one to say this, but I'm changing my mind. Tick tick bang stinks. <laughs> uh, the old fart uh, jokes. I think that's, I think that's <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> okay, back on track with that little. <laughs> you just like your old man. <laughs> <laughs> Release it! (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, we've Jimmy already did. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) Smell it, he cool. Is it just me? Or is it coincidence that the song Shake comes right after (laughs) TikTok? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh. All right, back on track. Back on track. Have we finished that one? I think we have. Yeah. <laughs> that song will yeah. never be the same again. <laughs> All right, track number 11, Shake. Shake! Shake. Okay, it's a fun song, it's a party song, but apart from the chorus, it's a bit one-dimensional musically in the verses. It doesn't really go anywhere. But for a contained and measured pop song, it's pretty good. It works. So, like, it's a fun track, but again, it's just, for me, it's just just a bit one-dimensional. Well, I completely agree with you, player, and the thing is that, that... Morris' vocal is just, is it just me or is it weird again? It's not just that he sounds disinterested, it's just, he sounds odd, out of place, like on that song. It's Morris's vocal's just, never been strong. 
Mm. The best of times, but yeah, it's, it's, it is weird. And you're right. The, the drum pattern and the beat really doesn't waver much. It's just like the same kind of shtick yeah. for, for the length of the song and not, not a whole lot else. On, on that note, let's go to uh, Toe Jam. Yeah, it's kind of a throwback to the like 60s. That's how I hear it. It's kind of these sort of, oh, how do you describe it? It's soul pop songs. You know, you've got that with uh, the vocal chorus, uh, the vocal, like you've got three, you've got some female Morris and someone else. Um, singing, you got to shake something. It's real throwback to the '60s. I'm, I'm thinking like Soul Man and that kind of era, that kind of vibe. But then you've got the sort of '90s electric, which I don't know. It's trying to modernise that sound, but it just it sounds a bit cheeseball. And it's it's similar to there's sort of some similarities to Automatic. Yeah, that's about it. That's all I've got for my notes. Uh, again, it's pretty skippable. There's a funny moment in the movie when they play this song because from my memory. The, the song's fading out and, like, people are starting to cheer. But then they cut to a scene where, like, everyone's still dancing in time, like it's the middle of the song, just for, like, two seconds. <laughs> just one of those real classic badly bad edits. Oh, that's what you get when you're doing your <laughs> editing from a hotel room on tour <laughs> and sending tapes back. Oh, well. On that note, Captain, what are your thoughts on this? This is the third track from the time on this album, and I like it. It's probably the organ, the stabby, stabby organ all through the chorus. I like that. But yeah, this is another track with really not much at all going on. You got a drum beat, and there's just the organ and a little guitar bit, and that's about it. Uh, there is a cool little funky guitar bit he does at 1.14 and 2.17. There's a funny bit in this song. There's like this big organ slide at 2.11, and then Morris just goes, whoops. It's really funny. <laughs> Especially if you think about what we're talking about in the last song. Oh, anyway, it's just funny. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just all laughed out. My ribs are still hurting. Doesn't matter. I, I would just add quickly. I'm not I've finished yet. Oh, sorry. I thought you said that was it. No. Uh, it's written by Prince and Morris Day, uh, except for Morris's vocal. Just about everything else is Prince, except maybe Jerome. Who's saying you got to shake something? That's not Morris. Anyway, all the instruments are Prince. And this was released, again, this was a single. This was the fifth single. Did not chart at all. And, oh, we have to, this is a special song, because this was the first appearance of Morris Hayes ever, anywhere, to get in with, wow. with Prince. Are you sure? I heard that he did the remix. Yeah, 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 he did the remix. But, but it's not close, this track. Close enough. Close oh, come enough. on, man. He did something on the remix of Shake for the single. He did, yeah. It all started here, and then he, then he got in. <laughs> That's it. Track number 12. This is a notable single on this album, um, and in 1990 for Prince, it is, of course, Thieves in the Temple. Uh, we'll take it to Toe Jam to lead, lead this off for us. Uh, this is an amazing song, and uh, this was one of my favorites early on on that Hits 1 um, that I got. It's kind of the When Doves Cry of, of this movie and, and of this album. It's kind of similar in that it's this big beat, lots of layered vocals, kind of a moody kind of song. There's a bass line there, but it's it's not really super present. It's kind of more implied and sort of a bit lower in the mix. That's so more about this this you know kick drum and the, and the layered vocals. Some really cool lyrics all the way through. It sounds like it was um, inspired, the song Electric Chair kind of came from that as well, the, the beat. And it's a classic Prince song. It's got all the elements. It's got the bluesy guitar solos. It's, it's got a harmonica sample. Just really cool visual moments where, you know, he sings, um, you and me could have been a work of art. And that's this real visual moment. That's uh, a great lyric, that one. 
Yeah, it sounds like you and me yeah. could have been a work of art. Yeah, definitely. I always imagine like the Batman movie in that because you know how Joker in that one he's like this crazy mad artist. Yeah, that's what always reminds me of that. Grammatically incorrect, but it doesn't matter. Mara, jeez, get a good in yourself. You and I would have been better. The time signature—it's it's four four, but the the way the beats spread out, it's kind of more like it's six four a six four bar than a two four bar. So it has this really interesting flow where he can put the big you know snares on two and four when he wants to, and it'll it'll drive it. But the actual flow of the song is more of like six four two four, which adds up to eight, which is still four four, I guess, but really cool. You've got these sort of Asian-y kind of elements, and and this is sort of sprinkled throughout the album as well. Sort of Asian-y sounding, yeah, all that sort of stuff. The meow sound. I like the way, you know, every time he sings, Thieves in the Temple, tonight, and then there's like this, I've written egg crack, it sounds like an egg crack, tonight, there's always something different there with a guitar and some sort of synth. Background vocals are really cool. There's a couple of moments where he plays this G minor chord with a major seven, which is a real James Bond kind of chord. You know, I think it's where he says, hurt me, it might be around there. Just a suspended chord, real James James Bond sort of sound. The video is awesome, I really love the video. I really love the extended version. One of my favorite songs of all time. Just very listenable, very interesting, very unique, very princey. It's just cool, cool song all the way. Awesome. And how minimal does it sound, but there's just so much going on again, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, player, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's dark and it has a dark and moody vibe about it. You know, having the song in the minor key, the piano sounds a bit out of tune and a bit off kilter, but it adds to the mood of the song. I really love the extended version, the video version. I wish that was on this album, but it wouldn't have fit because it's you know it goes for seventy some odd minutes. But I really love that version. It's a very mature song, mature songwriting, and interesting. Yeah, the, the harmonica solo sample in it. I think Captain, you posted the link. The, the Chamber Brothers, brothers I yeah, Can't, can't stand, stand It. it. Yeah. It's, it's An uncredited cool. sample. A no, thief, it's... if you will. <laughs> Thieves in the temple. Yeah. He was, doing, he was doing a lot of those, doing a lot of the samples and not crediting. But, I mean, he wasn't the only one. A lot of artists were doing it at, that, at the same time. So, But, yeah, it's, it is. A, it's a, one of the Prince Classic songs. It's It's very sort of... And it really never made the correlation between that and When Doves Cry, but yeah, I can hear that. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool cool kind of song. Nice, um, moody sort of song. Really works well live, too. It was really good on the um, Diamonds and Pearls tour. And he, had a, he, he sort of added more of those sort of oriental sounds into it. Yeah. And with the, all the acoustic guitar stuff, yeah. Oh, that was great, yeah. It was great. Yeah. And going into it, oh, great. That's it. Thieves in the Temple. All right, Captain, keep going. Keep talking about it. This we know you was, like a good pop song. This was the first single from the album. came out five weeks before the album launch, and it did pretty well. got into the top ten, uh, even top five in a few places. It did pretty well. This was, I think, the newest track on the album. It was one probably, the, the, yeah. probably the only one that, you know, written specifically for the album or the movie. Like players said, uh, Toe Jam said as well, you got the sample. Let's just say it... It's faithfully reproduced. That's that's what it is. Straight from the Chamber Brothers track, I can't stand it, but that's okay. So that's I, a harmonica, I, is that what you're talking about? Yep, okay. harmonica solo. I put what? it on, it's on a peach and black on uh, Facebook. You can hear it. I always thought that was funny to do that on a track with the title like this, so anyway. <laughs> the bass on this is great. When that kick drum first starts off, 29 seconds in, just about blows your face off. It's mm, great. Very heavy, yeah. It's got some cool backing vocals on this one by the Steels. Uh, there's this big, like, slam at 157, which is louder than anything else around there. And you're just like, what? 
and you go back and you play it again, and it's just a big like slam. There's some cool lyrics. The my favorite part of this song is where he says, "You said you loved me. You said I was your friend. You're supposed to take care of me. You lie." And then he screams his head off. And me and my friends at school, we went around saying, "You lie," probably for five years. <laughs> Anytime anyone said anything, we're like, "You lie," and I still say it. And it was only listened to this the last few days that I remembered where we got that from. Because I still say it sometimes, but I'd totally forgotten that it came from this song. So that's cool. <laughs> I, I learned I learned something that I forgot. This is another good one. If you can get rid of the main vocals, listen to it out of phase. Uh, some good stuff going on in the background. Yeah, apart from the Steels, it's another one-man band. So there. Good, 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 good pop song. And say- yeah, extended mix is great. The video is great. Yeah. We've got to talk about that sometime. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Captain. I, I'd say it's a great, great pop song. Even if it didn't chart, even if it wasn't released as a single, it's just, you know, it's short enough, it's concise enough, and it's really, really tightly produced as well and expertly mm-hmm. arranged by, by the one-man band we call Prince. I like how he keeps playing around with those three notes. He really has, has fun with it. I mean, that's aside from the beat and the kind of, the vocal harmonies, that's the only thing that really progressively changes throughout the track. And it's about only three or three and a half minutes long or something. So, I find that interesting. Great lyrics. Again, great storytelling from a different vantage point. You know, it's like a commentary, a running commentary of what he thinks is happening. And it's, again, you can you can interpret this song in a number of ways, which is cool. It's like it's ambiguous enough for the listener to make up their own mind of, about what this could be. Uh, so, that's really cool. The, the sample, Chamber Brothers, Chambers Brothers sample is awesome as well. And what else can you say? I mean, a classic song in his discography. This might have even charted in the top 20, top 30 when we did our vote. Probably the biggest song that year for him uh, in 1990, oh, yeah. outside of the Nothing Compares to You, um, Sinead O'Connor cover version. So, yeah, great, great track. And that was track number 11. Coming up next is... That track- was track number 12. Sorry, track number 12. Thanks for the correction. And 13, lucky number, or is it? The latest fashion. Yay! Uh, okay, I'm not going to go to Captain on this because I reckon he, <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like he kind of likes this song. Uh, let's go to Play Up. Uh, you know, like I think of this song and I think of my summertime thing and like it's just that song with different lyrics and then a Prince rap. So, it's just kind of like a recycled song. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it because in the movie it's kind of like, I don't know. I think, wasn't that cut? I agree like, with you and you haven't even really... <laughs> Like, I'm struggling to find the, yeah, the words for it. Like, it's... I, I agree with you. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a battle thing. Like, Prince is doing the rap, and but it's kind of like the joining forces of Morris and Prince. And Would you say it's whack? No. Weedy, whack? No, I wouldn't go that far. I think it is a cool song. I think really? my time thing is, is better, especially when D'Angelo's performing it. But it's... I mean, it's okay, but it, it is skippable. I wouldn't say it's whack. I would say it's skippable. Hmm. All right. I reckon it's a skipper. It's tiresome. Let's go to Toe Jam. Um, yeah, it's pretty skippable. In fact, uh, now this is this is the last one. The the time songs on this album are really disappointing, which is just, which is weird because the Pandemonium album. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's not my favorite time album, but it's not bad. But the time songs on this are, are really kind of disappointing. I'll just sort of leave it there. Captain, you yelled out "Hooray!" earlier. Unbelievable! Don't tell us you don't tell us you're a big fan of this. This is. Go Morris, go Morris, go Morris. Oh, that's <laughs> oh, no. Jeez. 
This was originally recorded by Prince back in 1987. So whether it was intended for the time or it was just a cool song that he recorded, who knows? I think this is probably the best of their few tracks on this album. No. Yes. Even though it's, yeah, the player said it's just my summertime thing with different lyrics, but I think this is the superior version. I like these lyrics better than the summertime thing. This is the only track, I think, ever. It's credited to both Prince and The Time as who performed the song. It, I, I like it. It's, it's got so much energy. I love it. It's got Morris doing his classic laugh, the Go Morris chants that you just made fun of. They're great. I, I think it's the best written of the time tracks on this album. I mean, release it's nothing really. Love Machines, nothing much really either. So it's not hard to get them to be the best track. Uh, 103, Prince kicks in with his verse. It's just cool to hear him with the time. And can anyone explain the lyrics where they say, someone says, cowboy, you're fired. I don't know what that's all about. I don't think anybody does. I've never paid close enough attention to this oh, song to Listen know. to it. It's great. Oh, I love the change at 251. And then we get a sample from another great time track. And then we get, I think, one of Prince's first real attempts at doing a rap. I mean, if you want to count dead on it. But yeah. And to end with Morris Stewart's laugh, that's just classic. This is a good song. This is the best of the time tracks on this album, I think. Uh, you can't convince me. <laughs> it's better than My Summertime Thing. It's more fun to sing the latest fashion than My Summertime Thing. Anyway. Hmm. All right. Melody Cool, track number 14. It's not Melody Pool. Melody Cool. Track number 14, Mavis Staples makes an appearance on lead vocals on this album. And I really don't want to say this, but I have to. I'm not feeling this song at all. comes across a little trite and made-for-TV movie type. I, I can't do it. This is a massive skip. So basically what I'm saying is I skip Shake and I skip <laughs> Latest Fashion. And I'll just throw in all the other Time songs and Tevin Campbell songs and other associated artist songs <laughs> into the mix there as well. This should have been a Prince album. I know it's got nothing to do with the song Melody Cool, but in a way it does. Because by this it's, point... by it's this easy, point, It's easy to say that this would make it an easy, a good 10-track album. It would. And if you I, just cut all the associated it artists. Does. It, it, does. it does. And I'll get into that when I talk about my summary. <laughs> yeah. So that's my Melody Cool review, Captain. Another 1987 track here. Uh, it's the one and only track from the great Mavis Staples on this album. When I first heard this song, I had no idea who she was but I, I just thought her voice sounded so cool. I know it's totally unfair, but comparing to Tevin Campbell, his vocal on this album, she just kills him. She, she has just, more balls. <laughs> it's, it's killing time, Moas. She just kills him. And that would have been the, the scene stealer of the movie if those two had a battle. It would have been the funniest thing ever. <laughs> Look at here, youngin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> just would have killed him. It would have been so funny. Just sat um, on him. <laughs> sat on him and killed him. <laughs> When it gets to 249, there's this spot at 249, and I'm just ready for Prince to say, keep busting from Bat Dance. It'll just fit perfectly in that spot, and every time I get gets to that, that spot, I say it, but it's not there, but it should be. I know it's dumb, but all I can say about this song is it's just cool. Oh, and Steels on backing vocals, can't forget them. But the best part of this song is I have to mention Keith Cohen did the mix on this track, who is responsible for one of my all-time favorite Prince tracks, Do Your Dance, KC's Remix. From the Cream Maxi single. So, yeah, shout out to Keith Cohen. He's great. But yeah, this song's okay. 
any I think any song by anyone on an album that has Prince songs on it, you know, it's not going to be as good. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, since this album's the only thing we've got to go on to prove that theory, in that case, it's right. <laughs> right? <laughs> good logic there. I'll go with you on that. Um, <laughs> Toe Jam, Melody, cool or not? Uh, well, of all the non... I say non-Prince tracks, but really they all the... The songs on here are Prince tracks. Yeah. And I think this is what MC was maybe leaning out just a second ago in that, like I just said, they're all Prince tracks, but it's almost like the weaker tracks he's given to the other people to sing. This one, though, of all of them, this is the better one. I can actually sit and listen to this one and I can get through it and I I don't dislike it that much. The turnaround, just got this sort of turnaround that goes all the way through it. It's got that synth bass sound, which I'm not a big fan of on the album. The sax solo is this weird sax slash synth sound. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's been a sax solo that's been turned into a synth sound or whether it was a synth sound that was using a sax. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I don't mind this one, actually. I can listen to this one, sit through it. I don't have much to say about it, but it's the best of the associated artist tracks on there. All right. Player, nerd melody cool or not? Yeah, I think it's cool. I like, I like Mavis. I think she's a cool lady. But musically, like, the track doesn't really go anywhere. So, it is a cool song. I'll sit through it. I'll listen to it. I won't skip it. But, again, I think what Toe Jam said is right. Like, the weakest songs have been given to the associated artists. I mean, it is a good song, but it's, it, it just doesn't go anywhere. Hmm. That's a very interesting point, really. Because when you think about the time, you know, 82, 83, 84, the time were wiping the floor with Prince. Yeah. They were killing it, yeah. So now this is his revenge. He gives them the weaker tracks so he can't be, like, you know, outshone on his own album. Mm. That's, yeah, that's just funny, I think. Can you imagine, like, Jerk Out on this album? Forget oh, it. Oh, yeah. Forget it. Chocolate. And that's, a, and that's a Prince song, too. Yeah. See, there's a, there's a big difference. Yeah, he couldn't have a, a, a better track than his own tracks on his own album. Mm. I actually think it'd be really hard to top some of his own tracks on this album. I mean, we'll get to it later, but don't you guys think that some of these, some of the songs we've spoken about stack up to be potentially some of the best material he's ever done? Mm. Yeah, so, there's two, two songs I'd, ra- I'd rank up there. Hmm. Two or three. So, yeah, okay. Well, that wraps up that song. I reckon we skip the next one and go straight into Graffiti Bridge. What do you guys think? <laughs> Captain? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go into track number 15. Still would stand all time. This will probably be a really quick review. Yeah, right. Uh, let's start off with the uh, player. Well, give us your thoughts on the song. This is, I'm assuming, the Purple Rain of this album. But it's kind of more like the latter, I guess, in some parts. The thing that's really most memorable, I guess, is, is very heaps of reverb on the vocal. It's very echoey kind of song. And it's very gospel-like, and it builds and builds. And right at the end, it's like a big gospel song. I like I like the part in the song where he talks about um where he says it glows and he holds that note he goes glows and night and day like he goes yeah. right into the next song. I like that part. Oh how yeah okay yeah. how like it, the word kind of rolls over it's over yeah and it like they add the harmonies on it and like all the multi-layered vocals mm. and it just holds that note and it just goes into the next verse it's really cool how it brings it across I really like that part of the song. I know he was doing these in after shows around 88 and it was kind of like a big kind of churchy gospel sort of celebration song and bluesy and it was really cool <laughs> and correcting people in the audience singing it wrong. But um, I think it's it's a 
good song. I think its placement on the album with this and the next song is not not really a good move, but this song itself I think is is nice. Yeah, I don't really have that much more on it, but it, I, I do like the song. Okay, Toe Jam. Uh, I think this is a brilliant song, actually. Um, and again, it's just all about the atmosphere, the way it breathes all the way through the, the arrangement. Uh, it's the mix, actually. The mix, it's got those weird strings, those deep strings. It's really slow and, and everything just sort of seeps in and seeps away. It's it's really great arrangement. The vocals are just unbelievable. Like those descending chords, you know, there must be like four or five notes in those chords just moving down semitones and he just seems to hit each one perfectly. Uh, it's great stuff. Big, long chorus vocal. So sort of a precursor to seven in that, in, in that way. And, you know, the lyrics, it's all about, you know, say yes and give it a try and hope and faith and all this. And But again, like Elephants and Flowers, I, I can appreciate the sentiment even if I don't agree. I like it 2 minutes 28. It's kind of like a little mini bridge. You've got that meow sound coming back in. Meow, meow. And then the strings kind of do something weird. And you're expecting it to do this big crazy bridge, but it doesn't. It just it just nicely goes back into the, the sort of sentimental vibe of it. I can't say much more. It's just the atmosphere, uh, the vocals, and the arrangement is what makes it. It's just a really standout song, I think. Yeah, I think it would have been better if the album had to finish with this, I think. But anyway. Yeah, definitely. And the ooze at the end, they're really cool as well. Yeah. I think I, I would probably call this, I'm trying to think of one better, and I can't. So I'm going to call it his best, you know, spiritual religious song i think wow <laughs> big call cool. i'm trying to think of one better and i can't hmm. but again yeah the lyrics you know say yes well it's i mean it's easier to say it's it's a positive song like that but that probably oversimplifies it a little bit so i get what you're saying tojum about you know where he might be coming from but well I, guess it's I don't know if it is a positive song that's the thing like- and that's yeah and that's why i was like kind of saying <laughs> when i said positive I, I was i wasn't sure of it either it's really hard to say. I think there's more to it than maybe what we're getting out of it, if that makes sense. Discussion. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's not worth going on that tangent, but well, I'm maybe there is. Maybe it is. It's not positive in the sense that it seems to me like a resignation. I don't know. I don't want to say too much more, but that's kind of how I feel about it. All right. One thing that, that comes across to me outside of the music itself, which is brilliant, by the way, is this... Kind of feeling I get of unease. I feel a little bit uneasy throughout the song, as brilliant, again, as it is musically and vocally and all that kind of stuff that's happening there. It's like, from an oral point of view, it's great. What you're hearing on on your headphones or on your stereo is fantastic from a purely, um, from a sound point perspective. But I don't know. I just, I'm a little bit undecided as well, kind of like Toe Jam in a way. I keep reading into the song. And I think that's also part of its brilliance is that we're discussing it. You know, maybe we're going a little bit overboard. I don't know. But it provokes discussion. and it Makes, has, you, think. Makes you think. Yeah. yeah, it certainly does. We may never get to the bottom of it. So, there's, there, there may be, you know, that may be pointless in trying. But one thing that I definitely get out of this song is this idea that there is something potentially greater in the world than all of us, you know, and um, I'm not going to get down too far down that tangent, but there's this concept that I, I take it as something that I don't understand. You know, there's an unknown, there's a mystery, and that mystery will exist forever. Um, mm. Whether it's a mystery at all is another question. Okay, going back to, to the impact, 
massive impact. Huge finish. I agree that this would have been a good closer to the album, although the next track is, is a reasonable closer as well. But this would really kind of seal the deal. I think it would have been brilliant on um, Love Sexy, the album, actually. A live version of this any day. I'd take that any day. His vocal gymnastics, um, and I say that in the best possible sense, about three quarters of the way through the song, are probably his best. Probably his best. Because he's, you know, he's been kind of flippant with his voice, especially when he was younger, early 80s. He was doing all sorts of stuff with his falsetto vocals. and But this is like really controlled, really... He's digging deep, you know, and it's in his lower register. When he gets down to those kind of more bass notes, oh, unbelievable listening experience just hearing him sing. This could be one of his most powerful vocal performances, I think. Aside from like solo. Yeah, in a, in a yeah. different kind of way. Yeah. Mm. In a manly way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'll leave it there too. And Captain, it's all yours. You started off saying it wasn't great and then you ended saying it's great. <laughs> What are you doing? Well, I just, thematically, I don't know where I stand. You started off going, oh, yeah, whatever. And now, oh, it's the best thing. It's the best thing ever. Did you listen to my review? (laughs) Okay, me. This is another fairly recent track. It was from 1988. It was a one-man band performance until he got the steels to come in and do the backing vocals. I love this song. I always have. I always will. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, I'll try to explain it. I just know it's great, and I wish you would do it live with a guitar solo <laughs> for no particular reason that I can think of. But before listening to this album loads in the last three, four weeks, I haven't listened to this for ages, and I'd forgotten how excellent it is and how much I love it. Everything's great. I love the piano. I love the drumming. I love the synth strings in the background. The backing vocals are just outstanding and MCs you said there's some amazing like low bass notes that he does and it's got the clapping it's got the big reverb again it's got all these little cymbal flourishes here and there and the way he pushes his vocal to breaking point is some of the best vocals he's ever recorded and again it's the the conviction and I how I believe what he's saying and I love the changes in this track and how they come about there's one at 107 and how the backing vocals come in, it's just magic. Then you have the change back at 129, that's just beautiful, and the snare kicks in, and off we go. you got these little flute parts. And listen to the synth strings. To, I think, Tojam, you said this, 228 to 243, the synth strings there, they're just, they're just great. And I love the little piano run at 308, goes into the change, and then it really kicks off at 330, and more amazing backing vocals. Uh, best part in this entire song is his vocal, 346 to about 410, specifically the line where he's saying, so much you will know, so much you will show. That's the best two vocal lines he's ever done, I think, that he's recorded. It's unbelievable. And that love, love, it's not that far away. Unbelievable. If I ever get sick of, you know, the new stuff he's doing, I think, oh, it's not that good. I can always go back to this and straight back, it's just going to blow my head off. And everything's good again. I can, I can count on one hand the Prince songs that will get some sort of emotional reaction out of me. And this is one of them. And that's the end. <laughs> wow. I think we just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly... Captain's Review is exactly why the album should have ended right there. But alas, we must continue because the album does. We go into track number 16. And it is the title track of the album, Graffiti Bridge. 
Toe Jam? Uh, I get an emo- emotional reaction out of this one too, uh, but for a <laughs> different reason. <laughs> Actually, I've got some alternative lyrics here. Um, <laughs> came to me uh, via a purple dove. Uh, a purple dove. Sing it, brother, sing it. Well, dedicated I'll, to I'll, the I'll, captain. Um, dedicated to the captain, yes. This is the long lost lyrics of Graffiti Bridge, uh, otherwise known as Captain's Fridge. <laughs> Everybody wants to find what's in Captain's fridge. Something to believe in. A reason to believe he's had a healthy lunch. Everybody wants to find what's in Captain's fridge. Everybody's looking for. Everybody's looking for. Everybody's looking for a munch. Everybody wants to find his perfect snack. Something that makes him happy. Something that fills his tum when it wants to cry. Everybody wants to find his perfect snack. Everybody's looking for. Everybody's Everybody's looking looking for. for. Everybody's looking Everybody's for a munch. Looking for a munch. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So these are the original lyrics, aren't they? Original lyrics, yeah. Oh. yeah. Pathetic. I think I like the release one a bit better. <laughs> I can understand. I can understand why he didn't release those. <laughs> okay, onto the onto the proper review though. It's arrangement-wise, it's kind of like Purple and Gold. Like it's a cheese ball song, but there's actually some pretty cool stuff going on arrangement-wise. You know, you can imagine this on a musical stage. You know, like a late '80s, early '90s cheesy as musical yeah, with a big, musical. you know, bit at the end, and you can almost see them on stage coming out for their little encores and stuff. You know, like um, everybody's looking for every, and then you know, Ro- uh, Rosie Greens or <laughs> everybody's <laughs> looking for that. It cuts to <laughs> it cuts to Mavis Staples. Everybody's looking for, and then Prince in the middle. Everybody's looking for love. You know, just real cheeseball musical stuff. So in that sense, it's kind of cool. But I could do without the song really. Uh, it doesn't add anything. It kind of trite. And if it's done for comedic purposes, that's funny. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it is. It's like Purple and Gold. It's like, how serious am I meant to take this song? Because if, if I take it as a joke, it's funny. But I think it's supposed to be serious. In that sense, it's not so good. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Well, the, the album's named Graffiti Bridge. So if the old album is considered to be a joke, <laughs> that's Actually, another thing altogether. And I think it's the, best, the best moment in the whole song is the first 14 seconds, the strings at the beginning. Mm, yeah. Blair Fisher. Brilliant. Amazing stuff. As usual, right? I mean, <laughs> his input into Prince's discography is legendary. Uh, and I, in fact, I'm surprised that Claire Fisher is not credited on Still Woods Down All Time, although obviously there's a samples, right? But even it then, I would have... would have been Prince on just on a synth. Really? It's, it's nothing really tricky. Yeah, but it it's sounds just good. Sort of cow, think, it's just sort of chords and like swells. Know. It's nothing that great, I think. I think it would stand all time. I think it's definitely Claire Fisher's orchestra. I think the difference is it was obviously like a pre-recorded bit that he sampled mm-hmm. into the song. Ah, uh, okay. I see rather you, yeah. than an actual arrangement done by, yeah. For the track. Yeah, which is slightly uh, different. Like Violet the Organ Grind is the same sort of thing. Yeah, I'm unsure about this song, Graffiti Bridge. Uh, in, in fact, this album... Although it's titled Graffiti Bridge would probably be better without this song. And again, closing on Still Would Stand All Time would be a legendary closer. And it's unfortunate that it doesn't, I think. It's just too Sesame Street for me. It's too kitsch. It's too childlike. It's very... It sounds like a Simpsons send-up, doesn't it? <laughs> like you can imagine the Simpsons doing a send-up of a Prince musical. And they have this... La 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 Bart runs down, I love for a boy, and <laughs> and then Lisa comes down, I love for a girl. Yeah, it's like straight Simpsons center. Yeah, it is yeah, Simpsons. Yeah. It's very, very sugary, sugary. Um, it's like sugar syrup, really, in a pop song, if you can call it a pop song. That's about all I can really say. I think it would be cool if the song was left off, but the album remained titled Graffiti Bridge. Play out. <laughs> <laughs>
I kind of agree with that. I remember being, when I first heard this song, really disappointed with the song because with the title Graffiti Bridge, I kind of associate graffiti with like b-boy culture and then I just, I associate that with sort of like hip-hop. So I thought the song was kind of like more up-tempo and more sort of like, more like a hip-hop based song, a street urban song. And I was kind of like uh, disappointed when it was like more sort of ballad and more of a show tune Broadway kind of musical style song. I also don't like it being followed by Still Will Stand All Time because they're two sort of slowish songs and it kind of like brings the... I know Still Will Stand All Time is sort of more uplifting but they're still like... It's kind of like a grey area in the album and towards the end. And I agree with you, it should it should be left off the album. There is little bits of it that sort of a bit love sexy-ish but it's it's not really suited to the album. I don't even think does this song get played in the in the actual movie? In credits, right? After yeah, yeah. I think it comes right. in after in the credits yeah. generation. I think it does, yeah. I yeah. think so. So, you know, I don't think there's really a need for it on the on the album. I think it's 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 an okay song. It's just it, it just doesn't really fit on this album. And it's not really positioned well on the album either. But anyway, well, yeah, it's it's interesting your your point about positioning. You know, maybe if it was earlier, they might. Yeah. Even then, <laughs> yeah, like you couldn't, you couldn't, yeah, because like a lot of his self-titled albums, or you know, they usually like the openings. You couldn't use that in this album. It's not mm. powerful enough. Yeah, like can't stop. I feeling like I got it's a much better opening, but it's just yeah, it doesn't it doesn't seem to work on this album for me. Especially when Stillwood's Dan All Time is such a great, right, yeah, exactly musical. It overshadows it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, just a musical. The, the finish is so strong on that song mm. that you know it's like thinking of adding a track after after the song Purple Rain or after the ladder or after even sometimes it snows or a door. You know, it goes on and on and on. Yeah, it's like an afterth- yeah, it's an afterthought. <laughs> yeah, very very strange. Mm. But um, we're not all done here because Captain's standing by. Uh, Captain, what do you have to say about Graffiti Bridge, the song? What a surprise. I like this song. It's valid. It's from 1987. You know what? This was one of the first few tracks recorded at the brand new Paisley Park Studios. What what a track to have that on us. Someone got a little bit overexcited. (laughs) Yeah, but I really like this song. Somehow it's rated as one of the worst Prince tracks of all time. It did very badly in our big poll we did a few years ago, and I like it. I like how the uh, it seems to redo the 1999 idea originally from Sly Stone, where everyone, every line sung by a different person. That's cool. And I can see how people would think it was sugary and sappy or just bad. But like other tracks on this album, I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about in this song, but I can, he, he believes it. The conviction's there, and I believe it. And that saves it for me. I, I believe... You know, that he believed what he was singing when he sang it, and that saves it for me. It's got great vocal performance by Prince and Mavis, sounds great. There's some great guitar wailing near the end. It's buried, but 337 to 345, listen to that guitar, it's just screaming its head off in the background. Uh, You've got Claire Fisher with his strings at the start, and Sheila E on the drums. Come on, Sheila E. I can hear her in the vocals too. yeah, Yeah, yeah. And you've also got Bonnie Boyer on organ and background vocals. This probably was one of the last tracks that she turned up on. Uh, It's a genuine love sexy track. Yeah. I mean, this song gets such a bad rap, but it's supposed to be, like Player said, it's like a big Broadway musical ending, finale to the movie. 
Uh, the so, next one gets a bad rap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as I can see, it does that job of being the big musical ending. And, you know, it's no Purple Rain, I'll give you that. But it does its job, I think. I, I like it. That's all. Hmm. All right. No, no surprise there, really. Well... I like Graffiti Bridge. I don't really like Weak and Funk. But yeah, there we go. Something very, very strange is going on here. Uh, tra- it's, the, it's the Peach and Black podcast. <laughs> that's, that's what happens. So, Graffiti Bridge is the second last track. And I can't believe I'm about to say this, but we're about to review the last song on this lengthy album review of Graffiti Bridge, the album. It's track number 17. It's New Power Generation, part two. two. And it includes every man, every woman, and their dog. <laughs> and a kitchen sink. I ain't got nothing on this. It's whack. It's got to go. If there was ever an afterthought, this was it. What a disappointing end to a fairly classic album. And I'll tell you why I think it's a classic album in a second. Gentlemen, do you want to fight this out? <laughs> I don't Maybe. have anything to say. Yeah. <laughs> or just check my review in track two and that's pretty much it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, player, anything to add? Uh, I agree. It, it doesn't add anything more than track two, other than it just splits it up. And I think the reason they did that was they realised that there was two sort of slower ballads closing out the album. So, like, as an afterthought, oh, let's cut the end of MPG and add it to the end just to sort of bring up bring up the vibe a bit. It's a strange decision just to do a reprise right at the end. They should have just left it that's, in the end. That, that's usually where reprises are. Um, but like, yeah, what's the but, point of it? I think I think the the point of it was to to lift up that that sort of ending of having two slow songs at the end, hmm. just to uplift the mood and you know close the al- album out and sort of the more sort of upbeat song. It's it's strange. It's just like hitting. It's a, it hits a wall, doesn't it? Like it yeah. just go anywhere. Anyway, Captain, anything else to add? Loads. Oh, no, you're Here kidding me, go. right? It's the TCLS rapping. <laughs> See, there I know is this guy. Some, there is, I want to wrap this up so badly. I can't no, believe you got loads of There is some cool guitar in this song. Um, oh, in the background, yeah. I, I love this That's song. That's awesome, yeah. Like I said about part one, it should have just been one track. You know, five, six, seven minutes, however long it'd be, as one long track. It'd be great. But they're split, and I like part two possibly more than part one because it has one of his best guitar solos I think he's ever done on record that I've heard. What? You can hear it much better on the maxi single where it's isolated and it's just solo and it sounds bloody amazing. But on this track, listen to it, starts at 43 seconds, but it really kicks off 101 to 109. It's one of the best things he's ever done on guitar. It's just insane. It, might, it doesn't even sound like it's a guitar. It's in. It's mental. Uh, it's great. The actual song, uh, it's okay. It's just new power generation continued. But it's got that guitar solo and it's got the rap. And I don't think the rap's that bad. You know, Prince has never had a great rapper on any of his albums. I think they're all average. Outside of Chuck Chuck D, but that wasn't his finest moment. You know, you could say Chuck D, Dougie Fresh. They're better than you know Tony M and T C Ellis and uh, just by a little bit. But. You know, it's okay. It's not out of time. It fits in with the song. It's got some flow. It's okay. And there's a lot of... Sc- I never didn't notice there's a lot of scratching underneath the rap, which I only heard blasting it on the headphones. But you hear a bit of love love left, love right in there. I love that song too. And it's, but it's a great outro. This is the thing about this song. It's the end of this album. And it's this track. And it ends with the new power generation has just taken control. What an outro to an album and the setting up, you know, for the next what's coming next. 
which is the new power generation and the future and the tour and the album and everything else that comes came after it. What a, what an end to an album to think of putting that on there. The new power generation is just taking control. That's that is very cool. But this song, it's got the guitar solo that saves the whole thing for me. Go and listen to the maxi single. Great. Whew, I'm out of breath. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> That's the end. We're at the end of this double, <sighs> double, double album. I can't believe it. I'm um I'm spent. However, let's go and do a quick round the table. In 30 seconds or less, summarize Graffiti oh. Bridge, the album, Toe Jam, go. Okay, so as an album, I don't think it's really that great. Just in terms of the, the track list with the, all the associated artist albums and part twos and, and this kind of thing, it's really hard to listen to this and get any sort of sense of flow. I'm, I'm constantly skipping and forwards and backwards, this kind of thing. There's only really one of those associated artist songs that I sort of listen to, and that's Melody Cool. Even that one's pretty pedestrian. The others are pretty forgettable, uh, even if there are some nice little moments in them here and there. The print songs, however, are really cool, generally. Can't Stop Your Feelings really cool. New Power Generation is pretty good. Question of You is amazing. The Elephants and Flowers is okay, pretty good. Thieves in the Temple and Joy and Repetition, two of the greatest print songs ever. Still with Sandal Time, I'd probably rate as one of his more interesting uh, and possibly best gospel song. Uh, Wicked Funk is very funky. The Prince tracks are killer, really, when you think about it. And so if this was just a Prince album, just with those tracks, I'd probably give it an eight and a half, eight, eight and a half. As the album, as, as it stands, probably a seven as an album, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm coming from on this album. Years and years ago, I burnt just the Prince tracks onto a single disc, and I've pretty much l- listened to that every time I want to listen to this album. I almost never go back to listen to those associated artist ones now. But when they do pop up on the iPod, they don't grab me and think, oh, well, I need to go back and listen to it again. Okay, so there's my review, and so, yeah, on average, I guess that makes it an 8 out of 10 all up. No, seven and a half, eight around there. Okay, hmm. next. You can say you can say it's an uneven album and uneven, it's up it's yeah. up and down, but it's a soundtrack. That's true. It's yeah. not it's not just a Prince album. That's true. Yeah, that that, that is true. It probably it's shouldn't. got variety. It's up and down. It changes because it's a soundtrack. It's not it just a Prince album. It would have worked much better but if it was a Prince album. Though. It is a Prince album. Probably. But it's, it's a Prince album with the with a whole lot of weak tracks sung by different artists. Mm. Yeah, guest guest vocalist. <laughs> Pretty <the> much. <laughs> That's a good way to summarize yeah. it. In fact, it, it's funny, Tojan, what you said about you, the, the CD that you did, the compilation. I, I did exactly the same thing. I took all of the associated artists' tracks off of Graffiti Bridge. I left the running order and this, the sequence intact. Um, and I think I dropped off graffiti, graffiti Bridge at the end. So it starts with Can't, Can't Stop and finishes with Still Would Stand All Time. And it's like pound for pound, masterful strokes. Probably four of those nine. Very good. That was good. Um, four I'll to beat five. you to it, player. Four to, I'd say probably four or five of those nine songs that I left on the on my version of Graffiti Bridge are probably some of the greatest music Prince has ever done. And the other four are killer as well. So really, look, I'm going to go on record to say this. Graffiti Bridge is the, it's as good as Love Sexy in the configuration that I just, that I just. Um, no, that's gone too far. <laughs> Sorry, can't let no, you do that. Can't let you do that. <laughs> no, it Pulling really is. Pulling in the reins. It really is because like there's songs on Love Sexy like Positivity and Dance On and 
thinking of another song that, that kind of even it out for me. So I reckon these two albums, Love Sexy and Graffiti Bridge, stand side by side when you take off the associated artists off the Graffiti Bridge soundtrack. And yes, I'm being 100% serious. It is the very spiritual and positive rock and free new age funk album that should have been. It really it's a continuation of Love Sexy. Slightly, yes. slightly less religious, but still, you know, same themes. Yeah, yeah. It's about positivity and believe in this, and in a way, yeah. in a way, love sexy with the, like an urban edge onto it. Yeah, that that's. I mean, all, all of that makes sense actually. But I would. I'm just. It's just really frustrating for for me personally because I, I if it was just those nine songs, how I'd, dare Prince make you have such a problem with this well, album? I'd be I'd be putting this like I said I'd be putting this in line with. His greatest albums, Graffiti Bridge. Can you believe it? Graffiti Bridge in line with his greatest <laughs> released albums. And all he had to do was take off the songs that he didn't sing. <laughs> Not that hard. Play it. I agree with you guys. It's like it, it is billed as a soundtrack and essentially that's what its purpose is, is to be the music for Graffiti Bridge. And what Toja said earlier about how people wanted like associated artists songs on the Purple Rain soundtrack. And not Be on this careful one. what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like that does make sense. Like it's very hard. It's very difficult for me to sort of review and give an overall summary because there are like very strong songs on here, and there's also some filler. So I think the thing that when when people reflect on the album, they just sort of reflect on the filler, and that's not sort of considered as one of Prince's stronger albums. And then to compound on that, the the, the movie that goes with it. But yeah, like I agree with Toe and MC. Like there is some killer stuff on here. Question of You, Join Repetition. They're the main two that stand out for me. We Can Funk is another one. If I was given a rating, I'd probably rate it the same, about seven, seven and a half in its current configuration. I've never tried it with the, the other tracks removed, but I'd probably rate it higher than that with those songs removed. The Time songs maybe could have ended up maybe on Panamodium as like a bonus extra thing. Tevin Campbell, like, they could have gone on the Tevin album, Mavis, same sort of thing. Those other songs really don't really need to be there. Well, yeah, both the, both the Tevin and Mavis tracks did end up on their own albums. They didn't need to be on this one. But I guess it's there to, to fill it, define it as a soundtrack aside. It's a cool, uh, I don't even have the words for it. It just left me speechless this album. <laughs> but not in, not in that way. In good and bad ways. Yeah. Well, we've, cool we've come full circle and the final call is about to be made. Take it away, Captain. What are your final okay. thoughts? Okay. Overall, I guess you can say this is well, sort of what I said before. It's a fairly spiritual album coming off the heels of Love Sexy. You sort of had Batman in the middle. Forget about that. And it, it, <laughs> continu- it continues that the Love Sexy theme, and which he seemed to drop totally when he went to Diamonds and Pearls. And that's where the, the trend chasing seemed to start. Or you could even argue it started at the last track of this album. Last thing, oh, let's stick a rap on there. That's the new cool thing to do. It's the latest fashion. Uh, it is, it is. Yeah. I might have said this about Love Sexy, that that was the last album where he really didn't care what anyone thought about what he was doing. This album still has a bit of that to some extent, but you can see the trend chasing to start here as well. You've got a bit of rap here and there and a bit of even like hip-hop influences and sampling and scratching. And As for scoring it, I'm going to have to give this 
a subjective score, as I guess all our scores are really, but I, I'm going to say 7 out of 10. If I was scoring objectively, I might give it a 6, but because this was in one of the first few albums I bought, I love it just for that reason, so that's a 7 out of 10. But there's one more thing I've got to say, and we've all said the bits of it, but this album, it's... It's a bunch of tracks from the vault, mostly. It's a bunch of leftovers. There's a lot of old, early 80s, mid-80s tracks on this album. And to be honest, that's something I wish he would do now. I mean, he himself mentioned only a couple of years ago that the he was in songwriting rehab. He wasn't writing any songs. They weren't coming as easily as he might like. So why not put to good use this vault full of tracks and still just put out an album every year? We don't care if it's old, if it's old tracks. We just want to hear the music. So if there was ever a time to do something like an album like this where he just got a bunch of old tracks, reworked them a bit and put it out, that's the time now. He hasn't put an album out since 2010. That's many years ago now. Mm. So there's a vault there with supposedly thousands of tracks. And I'm guessing it's not thousands of completed songs, but at least a quarter of them would have to be, you know, pretty much done. Chuck an album out every year. We'll buy it. Uh, I don't know. He's not going to listen. Who cares? (laughs) The end. Hey, we said it before, Prince is going to do what Prince is going to do. So, that's it. Bang. Bang. (laughs) Tick, tick, bang. Player, I heard you have something to say about some event. Yes. uh, For everybody in Sydney, there is a Prince party called Cream, Cream Prince Party. It's on at the Sly Fox, which is in Emmel Road in Emmel in Sydney. It's on Friday the 18th of October. And a whole heap of people are going there. And if you want to come see Peach and Black, we'll be there too. So we'll see you at that party. It's going to be good. It's going to be big. Go to the Facebook. There's a Facebook page. Just, what is it? Cream Prince Party. Search that. Yeah, search for Cream Prince Party in Facebook. We'll put the link up on Facebook anyway. Yeah. So you can all see it and go there. And it's not just for Sydney people. There's people coming from New Zealand and uh, everywhere. Melbourne, uh, Melbourne Adelaide, Adelaide. Brisbane. Yeah. Everyone's coming. So that's it. Graffiti Bridge. There you go. Everybody wants to find Graffiti Bridge. <laughs> By the Peach and Black podcast. Fridge. <laughs> Captain's Fridge, yeah. <laughs> we got to record that. That's got to be the new Peach and Black theme music. Music. <laughs>